everyone. Welcome to Game Face episode 170 on Sifted Games at Sifted.net. As we're sitting here right now, we are about 10 days away from E3 2019. If you count we... the weekend starting it, well, yeah, yeah 11 days. It starts on, what, the 9th? Yeah. Yeah, that's the first like big press. I mean, really, we're sort of already into it because the leaks are happening. I mean, I'm, I'm already in it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like my whole life is built around getting prepared for E3 2019, and it's going to stay that way for the next 10 days. It's been that way for a week and a half already. So uh, we're working on building our E3 page, working on our schedule. Um, we have one more episode of Game Face before E3 kicks off next week. We'll finish up our E3 previews. Get you guys hyped for the show, and we'll lay out our schedule of all the stuff that we're doing for the show. So and then the day before that is my uh, appointment for uh, Galaxy's Edge. All right. So that's going to be a packed week. It will be. I mean, E3 is insane no matter what. Yeah. But at least when I go to E3, I'll be able to say, like, yeah, I just got back from Galaxy's Edge. That's true. <laughs> Suckers. <laughs> so anyway, hope you guys are getting uh, excited for E3. Uh, we published an episode of Pactor Factor yesterday that had a bunch of E3 stuff in it. Next week will be Pactor's legendary E3 predictions episode. We'll be doing some predictions on Game Face I'm next already week. on board with his first E3 prediction. Which one? No Xbox. Oh, yeah, yeah. He agreed with you on yeah. the they're not going to show an Xbox. I'm still holding out hope. I still believe. Um, so we'll see. But uh, we're here to get you hyped for E3. Hopefully you're starting to get there. It's very, very close. I know I am. I have this nervous uneasiness right now that I always have right before E3 because you have all this stuff you're working uh, on. Vincent says EA starts on the 8th. EA is not E3. Yeah. Tech, well. If you ask EA, EA. Don't say that too much because we have this first topic here on the <laughs> run. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, we haven't, we haven't kicked off the show yet, Sam. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, we're really excited for E3. Hopefully you guys are too. Hopefully you're going to take the ride with us. I mean, I can say right now we're going to do uh, the Hangouts for the press conferences. We'll be able to watch them together uh, and experience everything at that very first moment as a crew. So hopefully you guys will be along for all that stuff. But some other big and different stuff coming as well. And with that, it's time for a word from our sponsor. DeShazer Ryan Realty has been leading Northwest Montana real estate sales for over 30 years. It's family owned and operated with the knowledge to help you find your own unique piece of Montana. Visit DeShazerRyanRealty.com and there you'll find every property currently listed for sale in Montana. Or call 406-293-7706 and ask for Doug to get the ball rolling. Enjoy breathtaking mountain views of Montana on three and a half acres and less than 10 minutes from town. The property borders a county maintained road with access to tons of wildlife. It's priced to sell at $39.9. If you aren't able to relocate to God's country, don't worry, sifters. Doug DeShazer specializes in finding you the perfect real estate agent for the job, no matter where you live. He's facilitated home and land sales in California, Texas, Oregon, Washington, and many other states. Feel free to email Doug with any questions at DeShazerMT at gmail.com. That's DeShazer Ryan Realty at DeShazerRyanRealty.com. Thanks, as always, to our sponsor. Give him a call if you're looking for property, not just in Montana, but anywhere in the U.S. So a couple more things before we get started. Um, E3 will be here for the coverage on Saturday and Sunday. No, Saturday is Saturday's EA, but nothing yeah, really happens. No. So Sunday and Monday will be here. Tuesday, I should bring up, we're trying to figure out something for Nintendo's Direct. I know the last couple of years we haven't really done a live thing for those, or we tried and failed. 
<laughs> we're going to try to make it happen uh, this year based upon some of the stuff. Like there's a Pokemon press conference happening like in an hour. Yeah. Um, so the fact that Nintendo's kind of blowing out Pokemon before E3 even hits is a pretty good sign for Nintendo. I don't know. They did that last year, too. So, yeah. Um, I mean, that's where we found out about Let's Go right. and all that kind of yeah, stuff. That's so true. That's a good point. It, it's more that I think the Pokemon company wants to have their own spotlight than we've got too much to cram into the E3 Direct. Yeah. Um, so we're going to try to get something together for Nintendo this year. We'll see if we can make it work. I don't think Matt will be involved, though. You have some other stuff you're taking care yeah. of at E3. Um, but Vincent and I are trying to corroborate on something uh, to make it happen. Uh, also, Twitch Prime. Last month, we had our worst month ever for Twitch Prime. Uh, and I totally get it. It's like after you've done it for a long time, either you forget or you just kind of fall into a malaise and don't want to do it. Um, if you guys could go and uh, subscribe via Twitch Prime, we'd really, really appreciate it. Uh, YouTube folks as well. Speaking of which, if you're watching this on YouTube, people always ask me, I watch it on YouTube. I can't afford to give you money. What can I do? You can share the show. Sharing the show is the best thing you can do. Share it on all your social medias, on Twitter, on Facebook, wherever you are. Uh, that is the best way to grow our business and to grow the show. So have at it. And with that, let's kick off episode 170. We're going to start with a preview of EA at E3. <laughs> Matt already kind of threw a bucket of water on it, but but technically they are there. They're not anywhere near there anymore. Yeah. They're, they're out from like Hollywood now. They're having a big event in Los Angeles the same days as E3. Yeah. Yeah. Co conveniently enough. Y yeah. <laughs> no but, press conference this year. No. Just like a video thing or something? Like they're just doing like a direct sort of thing? I don't even know if it's a direct. Or are they just like doing streams? I think the, they're doing like big streams with all the streamers to mm -hmm. get people to watch or whatever. And like I know out, like Fallen Order is supposed to be shown like Sunday morning on their stream. Yeah. So. They're going to have gameplay, I believe, the first gameplay debut. Literally the only thing I care about <laughs> from them this, so far. Unless well, we'll they have see. something new. We'll run down through this. Maybe some stuff might pique your interest. But obviously the big thing is Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Mm. Uh, we're probably going to get a big chunk of gameplay from this. One would hope. I'm guessing a 10-minute demo-ish, some, something around there. Now that we've kind of had time to simmer on this game, is there anything that you're hoping for or ho or you're hoping that doesn't that it isn't? I mean, I hope it's got more of a, in terms of how the gameplay works and the, and the combat system works, I hope it's got more of a brain in his head than Force Unleashed or Jedi Outcast. Is that kind of your deep-rooted fear, is that it's just going to be a mindless hacker? Hack and slash. A little bit, or or that it's not gonna like treat the lightsaber properly. Like, try, lightsabers are a one hit kill, folks. Yeah. Like, there's no coming the, back from the, that. The, the Even nerf, though it cauterize your wounds, but yeah, the, the nerf bat criticism criticism of Force Unleashed is pr pretty reasonable, yeah. I think. And um, I just I also want like a combat system that somewhat reflects what what the what it looks like in the movies, either the originals or the prequels, whatever you want to go with. Um, I feel like nothing has ever really hit, captured that. Um, I know people love Jedi Outcast, but like I always found Jedi Outcast to be terrible. Like it's <laughs> like it's just like it's yeah. I mean the, the the multiplayer is I guess it's fun to like you know jump around and swing a glowing stick at people, but like it doesn't look like Star Wars. Like yeah. it never looked like a lightsaber combat to me. So like there's there's something you can do that that makes that work out that way. It but. makes it tough though because you're right. 
you know, lightsaber combat is one mistake, you're dead. But it's hard to make games that way. Well, we just had a game like that. It's called Sekiro. Yeah. Like, I mean, so, you're right, though. That is. I mean, that's not something that's going to sell 15 million copies because, like, it's too hard. But yeah. if you would, you could adapt the Sekiro style or, or um, something like that and, and come up with... Or even For Honor. For Honor even added lightsabers over May the 4th weekend and... Uh, it worked pretty well. Yeah. Like, you, you, I mean, you, again, you, that's another game that's set up kind of for that one strike, yeah. one kill. Um, so I'd like to... I mean, I'm sure it's going to be more of a, of a hack and slash with like some more thought put into the combat system, but I hope they they make it feel legit. Uh, that would be my main my main question. Um, everything else, like, you know, whatever they want to do in terms of setting or character or wh- what you do is more like, you know, window dressing to me. What about RPG elements? Something that you have to have or are you okay without it? Don't care. Yeah. I mean, sure, like, you want to give me some character progression, that's fine. I feel like we've like, kind of been spoiled at this point, because almost every game has some semblance of... I just don't feel like that is what Respawn does. I uh, yeah, like, I agree. I, like just I gonna... mean, they've nev- it's never really made an RPG. Like, I'm I'm looking for something more akin to the kind of original, the, the old God of War kind of story okay. structure, which is probably not tremendously off-base considering who's making it. Stig is... You know, you've got a War 3 director. So. so you're saying get new weapons as you progress, basically? No. Kind of, well, no, God of War does give you abilities as you go. Yeah, it wouldn't be new weapons. It would be new force abilities. Okay. Yeah, you'd, you'd basically expand as a Jedi as you went. Like, But the, the lightsaber's going to be your key weapon. Um, I mean, that's sort of part of the challenge is you're sort of stuck with that weapon. I mean, hopefully you can customize the weapon, you could, the, the saber to be whatever you want. Like, maybe you can add a, add a double saber to it. Maybe change the color, change the how the blade wiggles, you know, add some vents to it or something. Yeah. Like, you know, the, the, that was a good, a good feature of uh, Force Unleashed is it did let you kind of, like, make the saber whatever you wanted it to be. Um, but we'll see. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty open to whatever they're trying, whatever they want to do here, but... Uh, it's also not like it's not like they're up against uh, tremendous competition in terms of like what's been done before. No, so, uh, I would be very surprised if one way or the other, uh, this doesn't end up being the best Jedi game of all time, which is pr- kind of damning with faint praise. But uh, I have some go- I have some faith in Respawn and Stig specifically, so yeah, we'll see what they get for us. I definitely want to see some. I wouldn't mind if they're on the light, light side, but I would like to see some semblance of character progression in the game. Um, I don't think you can make a game in 2019 that doesn't have some of it. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 kind of a standard feature. Uh, you can't really start with everything. I mean, even Sekiro gives you a yeah. little bit of expanded ideas and things mm-hmm. as you move forward. So, yeah, I mean, even if it's just new force powers, I think it works. Is this in your top five most anticipated games of E3 2019? I would think so. Yeah. I mean, kind of for lack of... I I agree with Pactor (laughs) that I think it's going to be kind of a... a, Low-key. A lull-y E3. It's just... It's so weird. It's going to be a weird E3, I think. Maybe Without Sony, it's it's just organically going to be strange. When when your key player is Microsoft, who, I mean, technically also isn't even there. Yeah. I mean, they're doing a press conference, but they're not on the floor, so... They're doing their own thing. E3's headliner is pretty much Nintendo now. Yeah. It has the floor to itself yeah. pretty much. I mean, all the third parties are there, but yeah, as far as a But in terms hall, of that hall, like that's Nintendo's the only major player it. there. It's them and this the little, little Sega booth. Yeah. Little dinky booths in there. Little Sega booth, which is half Atlas, don't forget. Yeah, it's true. Um, I'm excited for 
Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Yeah. Uh, will it be in our top five most anticipated? You'll have to wait and find out. We're going to do a top 20 most anticipated games of E3 2019. That should be coming out late next week around there. Mm. Should give us plenty of time for more stuff to leak and kind of have a better roadmap of what's actually going to be at the show. But yeah, that'll be coming pretty soon on the site and on our Patreon. Uh, next up, Apex Legends mm. Season 2. So I don't know if you saw the news this week, but Apex Legends is now out of the top 10 on all platforms as far mm. as generating revenue. It's called, it's called flash in the pan, kids. You think it is going to be a flash in the pan? I mean, it's not like, it's not unrecoverable, but like their, what, their revenue is down 74%. Yeah. Like, they're not adding content fast enough. That's the problem. Yeah. Like and the, season, the, the season pass was a complete bust, according to everyone that I know who, who plays it or used to play it. They don't play it anymore. Like it's so you know people who are hardcore into it and now don't play it at all anymore. Yeah, because because the, the the season was just basically to them there was like it was nothing. There was nothing there. So they, some of them went back to Fortnite. Some went back to Blackout. But I don't know anybody who plays this regularly anymore, which is weird because it's still I think they're probably the best one on a gameplay level. It is, but I think it but, shows you how important it is. Yeah, the treadmill's important. Yeah, like I mean, really freaking important. Yeah. And these other games have learned how to do it so well. I mean, Fortnite and Overwatch, they have mm-hmm. four, at least four seasonal events a year. Yeah, like if, if Respawn's smart, they'll you know basically establish a whole new team specifically to keep this game going. Yeah, you're right. Because they, so they'll have a team that just works on the base game. Then they'll have mm-hmm. the team that just works on the continuation of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, like this can't just be like a pet project anymore. Yeah, because if you look at Fortnite and Overwatch, which are kind of the gold standards for this stuff, not only do they have those four seasonal events, they also have seasons mm-hmm. on top of that. The seasonal events are completely separate from the seasons. So you have literally probably once a month some big thing coming online for those games. And Apex Legends, I mean, I, you know, I haven't played it since like launch week, to be honest with you, but I see all the news about it, and there hasn't been any big news about this game since it launched. Yeah, I've noticed that like I just I don't see it pop up in in the in the listings and the headlines anymore at all, really. Yeah. And I do, you know, I don't play Fortnite or any of that either, but I do know about what's happening with them because they pop up in the newsfeed all the time. Yeah, if you if you're on Sifted, you learn about all that stuff, and we're not seeing anything from Apex Legends. No. So. Do you think this E3 is kind of a make or break? I mean, I hate to say it this soon after it launched, but is it make or break for Apex Legends? I think it's certainly their opportunity to kind of like say like, hey, we hear you and and we know we need to put more, you know, be more active on this. And so season two is going to be like this and it's going to be better and there's going to have this and this and this and this and there's going to be this event and this event. Like this is their chance to sort of say like, all right, we're going to turn this around. And frankly, if they don't say anything along those lines, it feels like uh, they might be just sort of letting it wither on the vine. Because I'll say this, I, I've because there's hardly anything to play right now, I've been going back and playing some old games. I've been playing Black Ops 4 when mm-hmm. I just have some downtime. And so I had not played it for a long time. So it was, good, it was good for me to see, okay, this is what it was like at launch. And now this is what it's like three months later. I mean, it's not that much older than Apex Legends, to be honest with you. They have the support Blackout, Multiplayer, and zombies. Mm-hmm. And so I went and just started sorting through all that stuff, and it is mind-blowing how much content they've released for that game already across all three of those options. Um, if you just play multiplayer, there's like three new operators already in the game, and they're free now. Like, they're not 
behind a paywall, you have to pay for them. They're, they were there for like a week where Sony had kind of the exclusivity for a while. But as somebody who just paid the base price for the game and just booted it up months later, all those operators are now there and free to play. If you go to Zombies, they've, they've expanded Zombies like three times. Blackout has like a brand new map, tons of updates to that as well. Now, granted, you had to pay for Blackout, but comparing that to Apex Legends, I mean, Treyarch's destroying Respawn. Mm -hmm. And so I wonder if Respawn, while it was ready to launch the game, wasn't really ready to launch the game. Well, they might also have just been like not expecting it to be as big as it that is. Huge, it's like, possible. You know, like or as it, big as it was, I guess. And there's it might also be you know just on the on the basis of sort of their pedigree. You know, Modern Warfare 2 didn't need to do need to add tons of shit all the time to keep people. You know, they might have thought that like, oh, we're just going to make a really solid you know game and people just play it because it's good. Well, I mean, and they were adding maps to multiplayer. Yeah, but like still, like I think they were expecting people to stick with this because of the gameplay a little more than is normal with this subgenre. Right. You know, yeah. like there's, there's it's they, a learning they process. Might, I think they might have underestimated how much the sort of ongoing changing landscape. Uh, of Fortnite that Fortnite has sort of established is how key that is to sort of the popularity of the Battle Royale thing. I mean, just the idea of a big-budget free-to-play game is still kind of a new concept. I mean, I guess you could say Fortnite was a big-budget. Yeah, it was, because yeah. it, it originally wasn't even really a Battle Royale no, game. It was, it was something else entirely. So I guess, yeah, it was. When they did that, everybody thought they were weird. Right, yeah. They were right, is what they were. Yeah, like, yeah right. absolutely right. It's like, why would you do that? Uh, you know, PUBG has already sort of cornered the market. Oh, and no, like, it hasn't. Nope. Yeah. No one was ready. So I will say, in comparison to Black Ops 4, the support of Apex Legends, which depends on support way more than a game like Black Ops 4, yeah. it, it's lacking. Like, they need to step up, and hopefully E3 will be kind of the, the big announcement of what's to come. And hopefully they can get content rolling out, like, every month, like, something significant, because that's what they're going to need mm -hmm. to do to remain successful and, in honesty, to stay alive with that game. Yep. Uh, next up, Need for Speed. I was shocked <sighs> to really? realize, to realize, you know that last Need for Speed, you know what year, the one that was like just all at night? That was 2015. Yeah. And then you had Payback that came after that. Yeah, Payback was more recent. But um, still, it was a couple years old. Yeah, what was it, like two, yeah, it was like end of 2016, 2017? 2017, yeah. So here keep, we are. I mean, can't keep them straight anymore. It's 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 pretty much known they're going to show in the new Need for Speed. I think it is a pretty safe bet. It's also going to come out this year. Mm -hmm. uh, if you keep following the schedule that EA has followed with that franchise, twenty eighth verse, same of the first. Yeah. What do you think they need to do to this franchise to make it relevant again? Because what they, they did, take it out back and shoot it in the head. Yeah, like, what they do with the reboot and what they did with Payback isn't working need for speed baffles me because like i i like a lot of the older need for speeds i thought, I thought most was people a, do was a cool it's a cool series early on i think uh, they might have they might have peaked at three or four on the pc um some of the stuff black box did later was really good um i enjoyed criterion sort of tackling it when they tried to kind of bring it back in like 2010 around there and it was a little burnout ish yeah, they made it more burnout ish but um i do not understand this series and how it functions in the EA way of doing business because any other franchise that performs the way this one does has been thrown in the mass grave out back of EA Redwood Shores. And the developer, years the developer's and been, years ago. been shuttered. Yeah. And, <laughs> but this series 
gets chance after chance after chance after chance, and it just constantly fails. It does. It's I think amazing. they're still chasing that Need for Speed Underground money. I think they're chasing the Underground money. I think they're also chasing the Fast and the Furious thing. Yeah. Um, and it's just, I think there's also sort of a bet on the idea that, like, there aren't really any games like this anymore. You know, the arcade yeah. racer is more or less dead. It is, yeah. Um, and, you know, doing Need for Speed gives you a better licensing marketing tie-in opportunity than doing Burnout because a lot of car manufacturers are not super thrilled about a game that, whose point is to destroy their cars. Yeah. Um, but they've, they've kind of they've loosened over up that. over that. Yeah. But, like, you know, they're, they're, they'll let you do damage to these cars in these games. But it's different than, like, Burnout where the car is literally a chunk of metal just tumbling end over end yeah. down the street. Um, also, most of the people that made Burnout great aren't... There anymore, oh, they're long gone anymore. Yeah. So um, it's uh, it's just weird to me how like they they it's it's almost like the uh, the that period of Assassin's Creed where all the Assassin's Creed games were being made by different teams. Like uh, you know, it was, it was I think it was like two, and then Brotherhood, and then and then uh, Revelations, and then three, yeah. and then Unity. Like it was just like no one was on the same page about what this series should be no one was on the same page about what you know what our new features were and whether those should or should not carry over to the next installment because you couldn't carry those features over because the next installment was two years into development and like it all felt very kind of disconnected and weird and like if there was something you liked in one in one installment like it may or may not be in the next one and that is like one of the big problems with need for speed is you just can't count on what you're going to get out of it like Maybe you're going to get a really cool Hot Pursuit mode, but maybe there's not even going to be a Hot Pursuit mode in this. Yeah. You, know, you just don't know. Maybe there's going to be a story that you hate. Maybe there's going to be no story that you don't hate or hate anyway. Maybe it's open world. Maybe it's track. Like this, well, I can go guarantee back and forth one thing. Back and forth. If there is a story, you're going to hate it. Yeah. <laughs> That's one thing I've learned from this franchise. <laughs> don't I mean, you? <laughs> I mean, it's it is this, this series is like story when they do go for story, especially in the last like nine, ten years, they are the definition of that Steve Buscemi like hello, hey fellow kids like commercial like it, it's yeah. it's like it's I, I it's it sounds it sounds like like fifty year old dads hung out in a garage somewhere <laughs> and just like wrote down all the lingo they didn't understand and right. like. Gave it to a 20- throw that in the script. Gave it to someone who has never driven before <laughs> and said, "Write a script out of that." And then you end up with these weird ass FMV cutscenes yeah. with everybody trying to act like the coolest motherfucker imaginable. And like, I just I've never bought a single second of it. Like, it's amazing how it's really bad. Tone deaf it all is. Do you think the smart move would be to just copy Forza Horizon? Yeah, probably. I mean, I mean, honestly, I hate to say it, but Forza Horizon's only available on Xbox. So yeah. you make Need for Speed basically the same game across three platforms or four platforms. Maybe you got something there? Yeah, it's just you just got to I don't know, like it, you just got to drop this like kind of shadow the hedgehog attitude that <laughs> seems to per, per, just That's a good way to describe like, it. Infuse the series like over the last 10 years With and dude yeah, it's <laughs> it's weird. It, it is weird, and it's just, I just it just baffles me how often they get another chance at this series. This series will not go away. Meanwhile, Dead Space dead. Yeah, 
Mirror's Edge dead. Yeah, and, Death Space got one bad entry, and yeah, that was and it. It's not and it like, wasn't even bad. No, it was just and it's, mediocre. it's just like a weird direction to take the series because they wanted more online engagement and more microtransaction-y stuff. Again, EA's fault. Yeah. <laughs> also, it made them, you know, and like a lot of these other, play, other franchises, you know, did their one game that transitioned to Frostbite, killed afterwards because it was not good. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, Need for Speed just plugging away. Yeah. I mean, you... The Run would kill any other franchise in this industry. <laughs> like, Need for Speed The Run should have killed it this thing have, dead yeah. forever. My guess is that they, they're cheap to develop. Yeah. I don't, Relatively speaking. Cheap, they, they must be a decent profit margin one way or the other. Uh, um, yeah. I'm guessing they sell two million of them and they've basically broken even. Yeah. And, I mean, there was a, I mean, they made a movie out of this. I know. They made a movie yeah. starring Aaron <laughs> Paul. Think about all the different poor decisions that had to go into from so many different places to be involved in that. Hell, yeah. I did something for that movie, and it was a bad decision. It was like, just, it's, it's not, ugh. like, I mean. So is this make or break for the franchise, or is it already broke? I, 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 it doesn't matter. I don't think it matters. Yeah, I don't think anything matters. <laughs> you can't break it, because they're always going to give it another chance, because someone at EA thinks, this is the one. Yeah. Every, like every every year or two, they're just like this. This will do it. So you go take that. Go take that Super Eight camera down to the L.A. River and shoot some people pretending to drag race, and that'll be what <laughs> that'll be what makes this a fifteen million seller again. Yeah, I mean, uh, remaster Hot Pursuit from the '90s, you cowards. Underground was the last one that sold through the roof. And that was yeah. the GameCube, PS2, Xbox. Yeah, that was a era. long time ago. And the last one I really liked was probably the Criterion remake of Most Wanted. Yeah. Which I think was like 2013, 2012. Yeah, sounds about right. Like, yeah, that was the one I did the stuff for the movie on. That was the tie-in I did was for that game, and that yeah. was the last one I actually liked. I didn't even like it that much. It just, it, I just, it was just. It fine. wasn't offensive. Right. It was just okay. <laughs> it was good. It did what it did. And then you got into stuff like payback and yeah and then like you had you know yeah there was the, like carbon in there i think that was a black box game and then there was and then like you got into the whole like this is where they put the really hard line microtransaction stuff and the and the paywall stuff that was in the reboot the 2015 yeah. reboot that pissed everybody off that was just doomed right out of the gate which no me. one even like really reacted to beyond yeah. the people that actually played it because like no one played it <laughs> battlefront 2 was the one that had the big crazy reaction but like need for speeds and integrated were way worse yeah. way worse but no one's playing it but so. no one cares because one star if you maybe it was star wars need for speed <laughs> maybe that's Hover, what they needed to do yeah, to save some, the franchise some, some swoop racing yeah uh, yeah <laughs> There was Super Bomb Bad Racing. Super Bomb Bad Racing. Hey, look, I would buy a new Pod Racer game in a, in a heartbeat. Like, yeah. those were good. I played that N64 game a lot. Yeah, that's But like, it came out in, like, a really dead period. Not just for the N64. It was also, like, one of the only... Because every period was a dead period for the N64. It was also one of the only but, cool things to come out of Episode 1. Yeah. And it wasn't even... I mean, it was a long and kind of overdone sequence in Episode 1, but the idea of it was a cool game idea, yeah. so... For sure. Uh, next up, Plants vs. Zombies. This is another franchise that EA has already said is going to be shown coming back at E3 2019. Um, Garden Warfare 2 seemed like it didn't sell quite as well as the first game. The first game had that novelty effect that got a lot of people on board. Mm -hmm. Second one was a much better game, but it seemed like the novelty had kind of the shine had had been rubbed off a little bit at that point and didn't get a lot of the press. I will say this, EA supported the second one for a long time. Uh, like I was doing research today on Sifted, and I went back and looked at the game page for this game, and 
finding the launch trailer for this was like a mega scroll down, mm. like the endless scroll before I, and so all that stuff that came after that was all post-launch DLC stuff. So this is another franchise that EA has completely saturated with microtransactions. Um, do you think that there's enough interest remaining in this franchise for the third game to make a splash at the show? Not in my house. Yeah. So I don't I don't I have you played either of the games? I, pl- I think I played the first one briefly when it was free on one of the gold or PlayStation Plus yeah. or something. I don't know. I don't like the art style. I don't care about this kind of game. It's all multiplayer focused. It's and a shooter for kids, basically. I can't play everything, and like I'm not going to make an effort to try and play this because I don't care. It's a shooter like, for parents who aren't comfortable letting their kids play Call of Duty, yeah. basically. Which, it, feels, it does feel a void or a niche. It's got walking corpses all the same. It's just it's it's just like Call of Duty. It's fine. Yeah. It's uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I I'm sure it's fine. Like I've had a couple of friends who did play the first one a lot, but there like, were some people on Sifted who loved the, the even the second one. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, I, I I just don't. This is just there's a this is a blank spot on my on my radar. I just don't pay attention to these games. Any kind of plants versus zombies things. It never quite that, that whole idea never quite clicked with me. Yeah, it's weird. Did you ever play like the base Plants vs Zombies? Yeah, like power the, mo- the mobile games? game. Thing. Yeah, I played. Yeah. I was just it's fine. I don't know. I, I played it for like two days, and it was just one out of like eight hundred yeah. tower defense games. Like or... asking me if I played Clash of Kings, like sure, right. or Clash of Clans, or whatever. Yeah, like, yeah, sure. And never played it again. That was it. Yeah. It was like... <laughs> uh, okay. Next up, and this is a game that we saw at E three last year and have seen basically nothing of since. I forgot about this sea until, of solitude. I, until I saw it on the list here. It's funny. When we shoot Pactor Factor, Pac brings up this game all the time. Really? He can't ever remember the name of it. <laughs> but he's like, that EA game that's about depression that's made by that woman. That's how he describes it every time. I'm like, Sea of Solitude? He's like, yeah, yeah, that's it. Uh, but this game did make a big impression, not just on Pactor, but on pretty much everyone at E3 last year. And it is kind of a metaphorically about depression and being introverted. Well, yeah, it's an indie game. So. Yeah, of course, <laughs> of course it is. Uh, but we have not seen anything from this game since the game no, page. Completely... The game page on Sifted has the debut trailer mm. and us talking about it. Yeah, I haven't thought in our about, analysis. I haven't thought about this game in probably six months. Yeah, or more. because it it has gone completely underground. So hopefully we'll get to see some gameplay from this as well. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a, stri- it's a striking game, yeah. usually. And I like the concept, even though you're right, it is kind of rote for an indie game, although calling any any game that EA publishes an yeah, indie Yeah, but like, is... you can do something cool with that concept, even if it is kind of done to death. You can still do something cool. I mean, Grease did it. Yeah. You know, it it yeah. even had a giant bird symbolizing depression. <laughs> I mean, like, like, yeah. The language is getting a little codified, but you can still do something cool with it. Yeah. Um, I, I'm pretty happy with the output of EA's kind of indie imprint. Yeah, for all their faults in terms of how they manage their AAA stuff, like they do tend to put out some pretty decent smaller scale things. Yeah, there's a name for it though. What's it called? EA crap. It's slipping my mind right now. <laughs> it's not EA crap. No. <laughs> that's, that's, that's that's the dice wing. Um, they have a name for it for their like indie stuff, but I, yeah, I feel like I EA's done mean. a pretty good job on that so far. Um, EA small. Yeah, <laughs> we forgot about EA Sports big. Remember yeah. that? Oh yeah. 
But it seems like a lot of the developers that have worked with EA on these smaller projects have also been happy with the support that they've got mm -hmm. and EA's ability to let them finish their games without rushing them out. So now I'm just thinking about all the EA slogans that don't get used anymore. Yeah. Remember challenge everything? I don't even know if like it's in the game is used for EA I don't Sports know anymore. Yeah, I don't know. I don't I, think it is. I, just, I just remember booting up an old an old game on the PC a few weeks ago and it did the whole like challenge everything. Yeah, like, I forgot. It's like first <laughs> off, what? Yeah. Second, um, why is a child whispering? Yeah, it? it was that period where like there was just like a bunch of things, like like whispering things yeah. was cool. It's like it's like go the distance, yeah. challenge everything, Mary Riley. It's well, like, there was one for a Dreamcast. It's thinking. It's thinking. Yeah. <laughs> There's yeah. another one. Yeah, that's funny. Children whispering slogans. It was like yeah. the early two thousands. That's a list deal. nobody's done yet. I guarantee it. No one has done that list yet for top, games. Yeah, outside Xbox. Outside get on Xbox, that get top, on that. Top 10 whispered things that don't need to be whispered Sony's in Sony's UK YouTube channel, get on yeah. that. They're, they are the big list providers. They, they make the best list. I think those two publications do anyway. Uh, so I'm excited to check out more of Sea of Solitude. And then finally, Anthem. Mm. What if anything happens with Anthem at E3? Um, well, maybe Apex Legends will be like, hey, could be, be could be worse. Could be worse. Seriously. <laughs> right now, the Apex team is probably like, thank God we have Anthem in the roster because yeah. they're going to make us look good all the way to the end no matter what. Uh, yeah, you think we'll see anything? Yeah, it's like if you're in trouble and then like you're in, you know, and you're a kid and then your sibling does something worse. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're like, like, oh, hey, I'm getting yeah. off. I'm getting out of here. No I'm problem. <laughs> so. Do you think we'll see anything? For Anthem, or do you think this that's gonna? God, for their sake, EA's I hope so. you think EA's just gonna sweep that under the rug? I mean, my EA's behavior uh, pattern would say to me that they're gonna let them play out like their you know their first year DLC plan and then pull the plug. Yeah, uh, I think I've said that before. You have, yeah. Um, so you think we'll see some DLC? I think stuff? we, I think we will probably see some stuff. Whatever their plans are for the second half of the year, yeah. Like. I mean, they have to, right? Like, it's either that or they're just going to go completely silent. Just let it die. I don't think they're ready to do that yet. I think you'll see them decide to do that more around, like, December. Could they announce anything that would make you go back and give it another go? I mean, I go back and play it every once in a while still. Okay. I just don't, I don't play it regularly, and I don't, it's amazing how hard it is to get into a match anymore. Get, like, even, like, going to do, like, free play, like, a lot of times it's not even a full, like, group of people in there which is kind of surprising because the money it keeps rolling in from mm -hmm. microtransactions like ea i think a week ago said yeah the base sales were a little disappointing but oh my gosh have we made up for that with that's amazing to me too because sales. like i like the nothing in that store has ever even come close to enticing me i know to buying anything with i mean there's a currency. lot of people out there that just buy everything like they I get guess. invested in a game and they just buy it all i mean that's what the whales do that i mean that's why this has become per so pervasive we're going to talk about that a little bit later in the mm -hmm. show as well um, yeah, I think you're right. I think we'll see some kind of DLC for Anthem there. Yeah. Like, really, some what kind they really of roadmap need is... or so beyond what we've already seen, some kind of like indication because they have already said, you know, vaguely but like insistently that um, you know they're going to change a bunch of stuff. They hear everything. They're going to rework a lot of the way the game works to make it better and stuff. But they're not ready to talk about that yet. They're just sort of trying to get stuff patched up and functional. Uh, so I would hope for the, the, whatever the, you know, whatever their time on the stream is for this would be like sort of detailing how they're going to quote unquote fix the game. I mean, I think the game is is 
you know, from a base level is pretty much fine in terms of what I'm doing in terms of shooting things and flying around and stuff, but there's no connective tissue there. And that's the stuff they need to work on is sort of what keeps you playing, what makes you want to log in every day, what makes it worthwhile to like keep going to do this over and over again. Down to just, you know, even down to the fact that the loot system doesn't work very well. You yeah. Know? So they got a lot of work to do, and it, it would be pretty silly to let this opportunity to kind of talk to everybody and demonstrate how they're going to go about that, just fly by and not do anything about it. So I think we're inevitably going to see kind of a, 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 a cross between a battle plan and a mea culpa <laughs> from Bioware on this. To me, I think priority one for EA would be saving the franchise, saving the universe. If they, if they plan on moving forward with this going forward, and I think the best way to do that is with some kind of story-based DLC. Yeah, I mean, make me care about the world and the characters and or new characters that are better than the existing characters. Like, I mean, there's there's little things I like. I still like that that quest line where Matthias breaks into three people. Yeah. Um, that was in the demo. Mm-hmm. Um, that's you know, there's some. Fun, I mean, it's, it, they, they do some fun stuff. The problem is that like that would work a lot better if I gave a shit about Matthias. Right. You know? Yeah. Like it's that's just, the way that all the characters are in the game. Yeah. They're just like these fly by night people that you run into yeah. that give you And I mean he's the only and... person whose name I remember. Yeah. I can't remember that's anybody else's point. name. Yep. And I mainly remember his name because it's close to mine. Right. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. So are you excited about what EA's gonna show? I mean you're kinda right. There's not any there's not like other than Jedi obviously. There's yeah. no gigantic game that everyone's just kind of frothing at the mouth. Yeah, there's to... no, nothing beyond Jedi, really. I yeah. mean, I'm always vaguely interested in, like, their story modes for their sports games because I just think that's interesting. Uh, I never actually end up playing them, but I do think that that's an interesting kind of way to engage someone. Um, so sometimes I'm just interested in what they did with that for, like, FIFA and Madden. Yeah. Um, if they, I mean, I assume they will show some some stuff like that this time. Uh, but yeah, really, Star whatever they got for Star Wars has generally been my, my main interest for several years now, which means my main interest for several years has not been catered to in any way, shape, or form. Uh, so I'm excited to see what Jedi Order is going to look like, and beyond that, uh, it's just sort of business as usual. Do you think there's any chance that we get a trailer for another Star Wars game? No. Yeah, I didn't think so either, but... None whatsoever. Maybe something DICE is working on? Nope. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah, I didn't think so. We might, because I mean, no, the other thing was like the, the Motive Vancouver game and that got killed. So yeah. there's, there's nothing else in the pipeline as far well, as... Well, DICE, I think, is probably working DICE on DICE is working on Battlefront 3 or whatever. Who gives a shit? You know? yeah. it's like It's just, I, the, least, the last thing you want to remind anybody of right now is, is Battlefront. Battlefront 2. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, we'll probably, we'll, I mean, you know, they might still have more stuff in the pipeline for Battlefront 2. I mean, to be fair, they have supported that game for a very long time. It still yeah. gets major updates yeah. here and there. Um, so that's not out of the realm of possibility. They're going to add some, you know, maybe maybe six more months of DLC support for Battlefront 2. Boy, but you're like, really milking it at that point. Well, what else you got? <laughs> yeah, like, it's crazy. I mean, there's not, literally nothing else yeah. on the dock. I mean, should be should be the timing should be right for Battlefront 3 next year, but like, which normally they would show they would show a trailer for. Yeah, but I, I just think out. you know you want to keep it laser focused on Jedi Order. Yeah. Jeff I think that's probably the right call. You don't yeah. want to distract people. With don't remind other... people of how you've mishandled this previously. Yeah. Just show us the awesome thing that's coming in November. Yep. Hopefully awesome thing. Yeah. All right. Let's move on. We're going to talk next about a game. It's been out for a little bit. Uh, probably sh- maybe should have covered it last week, but we're both busy doing other stuff. 
But Matt finally had a chance to play A Plague Tale Innocence. And this game mm. has been getting pretty high review scores. Yeah, been doing all right. It's, uh, and I wondered, like I haven't played it, but, and I wondered if maybe part of the reason people are viewing it so favorably is because it's a really dry month for games. Um, do you, but what, I mean, how do you feel about that? That doesn't hurt, but it's a really good game on its own. That's great. Um, That's good to hear. It's, uh, so it's, I think a lot, also like, I, I feel like some of this wasn't communicated, or at least I, maybe I just wasn't paying attention to it, but, um, like, cause I think a lot of people thought this was like some kind of walking simulator sort of thing. Uh, it is not. It's it a is, stealth it's action game. It's a stealth game. action game. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we just talked last week about how a lot of stealth games are sort of like boring because they're just slow moving ga- action games that make you do everything in slow motion. Yeah. Um, this one does not do that. There's, there's enough interesting elements to it. And it also, it starts as a straight like sneak em up and by about the halfway point you have enough tools that you can, you if you don't want to just do the sneaky thing, you can just kill people in your way. And get, you can and fight. Get through it. Yeah, you, you, you can't fight directly really, but you can take guys out. Okay. In a way that you you had no chance of doing at the beginning of the game, so the the the, the advance and kind of the way it kind of, you know you can you can still just sneak like you, if you want to just use distraction techniques and get through the thing and whatever you can. But there was a point where I got tired of trying to figure out the optimal path through a section, and I just started hitting guys in the head with rocks and killing them all. And the game even commented, "They're like, you're gonna fight the whole war yourself or what?" And I'm, I'm like, <laughs> "Until I get out of this damn level, yeah, I'm not doing <laughs> yeah. this anymore." Yeah. Um, but there are no guns, right? No, you have a sling. Yeah, so you're really not supposed to kill. It's medieval times. Yeah. It's medieval times. It's, there but are you no don't guns. have like an axe or a sword. Or... No, you have a sling. Yeah. You have a sling and you have alchemical recipes. Like there's a, there's a thing that like you can put people to sleep. Uh, there's a, eventually you run into a guy because a headshot with your sling kills. Okay. The, the trick is that um, the sling makes noise. So, so you can attract attention. Yeah, so if, so if you kill a guy with it, someone's gonna, someone can hear you. Um, and come get you. Now, once um, you're alerted, is it like game over? Is it one no, of those? No, I've, type run, of I've run away and gotten away okay. from it. You can you can still hide, but like the environments are not huge, and chances are they are going to see where you go. Um, so uh, I would say like two thirds of the time, if I'm seen, I die. Um, about one third, I've been able to get away. So usually you will die. Yeah, if usually you're, you're dead. Detected, um, especially in more narrower areas. If you're more kind of an open sort of. You, know, you get those areas like you know that happen in these games a lot, where it's like, okay, big open section with a lot of tall grass and places, figure it out. Yeah. And sometimes I've been seen in those, and I can get away, and it's easier. But if I'm seen in like a, like a section which is more like hallway oriented, you're dead. Yeah. There's yeah. no grass to go hide no, in to get away. No. What's the story behind this game? Is it set in the 14th century? Something like that. Yeah. It's um. Oh, yeah, thirteen hundred, late thirteen hundreds France, I would say. Um, so you play as uh, Amicia, who is a, like, I would say, like a fourteen-year-old or so French girl, uh, and uh, you start with her out hunting with her father, establishing that she can use her sling and she can hunt. And you're out there with your your dog Leon, Leon, and uh, lion, <laughs> and um, you uh, you're hunting boar, and that's how they teach you all the controls. And you end up in a um, the dog hunts tries to hunt down the boar, and you end up in this weird sort of slimy area. And the the boar is there, and it's all eaten apart and skeletonized. Uh, and you're like, what the hell? In like the span of like two seconds. Like, uh, yeah, in like like minutes. Like yeah. and you're like, what happened here? And then you find the dog, and the dog is kind of ha- like sort of in in this hole and. It's been. Eat, it's also being eaten away and gets pulled under the hole. So if you don't like seeing dogs die, 
uh, that's sort of one of the first main events. I'm surprised we have not seen a kerfuffle over that already, to be honest with you. Some and, people love dogs more than they love humans. Yeah, and the uh, and so, and then you go back to the your home where your your mother is and your younger brother Hugo, who's like probably five or six. Um, you don't see Hugo much because Hugo's very sick and stays inside all the time, and your mother spends all her time as an alchemist trying to cure him. Cure him. Um, and so you go up to talk to your mother, and she sort of dismisses you, but then a bunch of soldiers show up and kill your parents, and you have to go on the run with Hugo. And Why do they kill your parents? That's part of the mystery of the game. Oh, okay. That's the, what the, Inquisition, the Inquisition shows up and wants Hugo. Like, gotcha. they want Hugo. And so part of the mystery of the game is like, why are why is the Inquisition after Hugo? What was special about him? What's going on? And so the the and then the conflict in it is that Amicia doesn't know Hugo very well. She's she barely sees him because he's sick and they don't let anyone near him. So all of a sudden these two siblings that really don't know each other and you know this the the boy doesn't know anything about the world and she's never been that far you know, they're they're a rich family they're, they're like they're, they have a chateau and they have servants i mean she's not like a street smart kid she's, right you know she she knows how to hunt she knows you know she's book smart but she doesn't really know a whole lot about the world and you have to go on the run and you get to a village and like uh the, the villagers are going crazy because there's a plague uh because it's medieval times there's a plague but eventually it turns out that the plague that's going around in this area is not the usual Black Death. Uh, it's these monster rats. Um, so when you say monster, do you mean in size? Or? I mean, like, they're not normal rats. Okay. They're, they have glowing eyes, and they swarm like monsters. So you'll see them pop out of this dead horse here. Um, so the rats in this game swarm, really swarm in their thousands. Um, and one of the one of the key gameplay elements is, uh, I mean, if they t if they touch you, they'll engulf you like piranha, like okay. they'll, they'll just kill you. That's what skeletonized the the boar, and it's what killed the dog. Are these rats that pop up from under the ground, like the, the ground will rumble and they'll burst out from from holes in the ground. That's terrifying. With with glowing eyes, and and the the tech they use on this on them is really cool. Where like they, they're just swarming all over each other. It's like it's it's. I mean, I'm not. I don't. I don't dislike rats. I am fine with rats and rodents. Um, in fact, I, in fact, I was in I was in a bar in uh, up in the, up in the valley a couple weeks ago for a party, and there was a little um, like cream cream tan rat under the table we were eating at, oh we were, we were drinking God. at. And Make sure when we're done, you tell me what restaurant that was, and, so I never go there oh, there's, ever. There's rats everywhere in this. City. I know. I mean, I mean, every city has a but has like, rat problems. But this rat, I mean, it was it was it almost looked like a pet rat. It wasn't like you see like you know like rats that are like you know from like the street or whatever. But yeah, they're always gray and black. No, this usually. one this one was it was very clean and very and very like kind of bold and like. The funny thing was, like the younger the younger boys suddenly got. I'm like, we're all under trying to pet the rat, like <laughs> in a I'm, restaurant. In the restaurant, <laughs> and I'm like, and all the servers were like, oh my god, like stop. Dude, drawing the attention servers to the rat. must have been mortified. Yeah, they were not they were not thrilled that we had found one of the rats. <laughs> well, they're also like, and they're playing with it, and now everybody knows our there's, restaurant there's a has rat rats. Rat. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> Did they throw you out? No, 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 not at all. <laughs> Um, the rat ran off after a while, and that was that. <laughs> but um, you're right, though. This tech is pretty awesome. Yeah, it looks really cool. Yeah. Um, do do keep in mind there are people that are predicting that there will be rat-born, uh, mild small rat-born epidemics in LA and New York this year. Oh, really? The rat the rat problem in both of these cities has gotten crazy out of control, especially in LA. A lot of rats here. 
Um, Thanks, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> Just be, just be aware. I look forward to getting an, an incurable disease from a rat. Oh, it's not incurable, <laughs> but it's just, you'll just get it from a rat. Yeah. So uh, this is not what rats did in the Black Death, but this is like, this is a, they call it the bite. Um, this is a different thing. Uh, it gets, it's kind of like a bu the bubonic plague, but it's like, you know, a little more immediate in the sense that if the rats, if the rats bite you, like the characters that get, get, get bitten, they do get sick. But mostly if the rats get you, you die right there. And like there is like a mechanic when you're sneaking around. Like the the sling is used with a bunch of things. Um, if a if a soldier is looking for you and like you know holding a lantern, you can hit the lantern with your uh, with your sling and put it out. And then the rats he's that are being kept away by the lantern will just like go up on him. Oh wow! Um, there's a lot of clever little things like you know. It looks like you use fire and light. Yeah, to fire fire the rats. is is basically the way you keep these the rats away. So like there'll be. You know, early on, you're just sort of running from torch to torch, and then they're like, okay, now there's a, you can pick up a stick and light it on fire, but it only burns for a short amount of time, but it's enough time to kind of clear your way to get to the next light source. It only sounds and, like Metroid Prime 2. Yeah, a little bit, <laughs> yeah. So here's, you have this stick like this. Yeah. Um, you know, little thing, you know, it's, it's a pretty good progression of things. Eventually, like, you'll be, so the other kid there that's got his, his hand on her shoulder, that's Lucas. He is a, an alchemist apprentice. And he teaches you like recipes, so there's a lot of crafting in the game. You, you might have seen her picking up crafting ingredients. Yeah. Um, there is an interesting balance on this because, like, you you use workbenches to upgrade her equipment, so you can upgrade your sling to uh, aim quicker, reload quicker. The ult I think the the final upgrade is it makes it totally silent, so you don't give your position anyway by away anymore by using it. Although you do stand up to use it, so you'll still be visible. Be detected. Um, and there's like, you know, carry more ammo, carry more materials, uh, move more quietly, stuff like that. So wait, she just used a sling to yeah. sick the rats on no, an she, enemy. She knocked his lantern out. That's uh, what I did, was just talking about. She knocked gotcha, his lantern gotcha, out, and, okay. and while they're eating him, you can you get move forward. And, um, How convenient that these lanterns are set up everywhere. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> somebody's very, very diligent about tending these things. Yeah. Um, there are some, sometimes like you'll have to like light haystacks and haystacks don't burn very long. So like you have to kind yeah. of time your way through. Um, there's a really interesting section where it involves haystacks and lightning where like the rats will run away when lightning happens cause it's so bright, but mm -hmm. they'll come back. So like you have to kind of time it with, time the it with the burning haystacks that only burn a certain amount of time along with the lightning. And, and so they really work that mechanic. Oh yeah. I guess if it's the whole game, you kind of have to, right? It's, about, it's like <laughs> half the game. So like half the game is kind of sneaking around trying to get, get away from soldiers. And then there's, you know, dealing with the rats is, a, is a sort of the, the other half. Sometimes they sort of over, overlap. Um, that's kind of where it's the most fun where you get to sort of, play the two hazards against each other, pretty much. Um, here you can see her knocking guys out at a distance with her sling. Because um, the tall torches, you can't knock out. Okay. And then they, you see they swarm over yeah, they their swarm bodies, them. which gives you the chance to get past them. Um, this game is kind of crazy. It's it's <laughs> it's effective. Like, yeah, it's, these these rat swarms are unnerving. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's it's the the world is convincing. Um, I think it's it's uh, it's compelling. The characters are very well done. The voice acting is extremely good. Hugo, you know, kids, you know, kids in these sort of situations in games or movies where you have to take care of them and they're kind of dependent on the main character can get annoying real fast. I, but I think Hugo is very well written and very well acted, um, especially because I'm pretty sure the the voice is a, an actual 
little boy. So it's even doubly impressive. Like he's, yeah, I, I think they're all, they all come off pretty well. Everybody in this game. Um, I didn't even know you could do that. That would have made that section. <laughs> that would have made that section much easier. Hmm. Hmm. God bless um, Game Face B roll. Um. I, yeah. I just I just played that section like two days ago. <laughs> um. So yeah. I and, and like the story is compelling. Uh. You know, kind of the mystery of like who, why Hugo is the way he is and why people want him is is interesting. Sort of the the progression of the of the relationship between them in a, in sort of a God of War, uh, Kratos and Atreus way. Sort of that that way they don't. It's similar in the way they don't know each other very well and sort of have to come to terms with with their relationship with one another over the over the, the journey. You can see that just from the animation though, you can see the similar aesthetic though. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and I think I think it's a great looking game. Like it, it's, yeah, yeah. It's I mean, the, those rats look awesome. The rats look man. great. The environments look great. The the characters look really good up close. Like the the um, like the mocap and the and the animation on the faces is really well done. Um, it feels super triple A, and it's not budgetarily. It was, I mean, yeah, it's a small it's, team. Uh, it's a smaller it's a smaller company. Smaller. It's the same team that made um, Strange Stories, I think it was, um, or something like that. It's it it's not strange. It's like story. It, I I can't remember the name of it, but you've seen it on Steam because it has the exact same font as Stranger Things. <laughs> Stories Untold or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it. it's like the exact same font. And you're like, oh, is this, is this like a Stranger Things thing? It's, it's the same team, but this is an actual game, whereas that was more of a collection of little narrative things. Prediction for you. This studio is going to be purchased in the next 12 months. I think I, if Microsoft is probably already talking to them. Yeah. Because it's right up their They're alley. Just aren't in that... terms of who Microsoft is buying, these guys feel like exactly what they're after. There aren't, there just aren't that many independent studios that have the capability to make a game like this. No, there just this, aren't. I mean, to be honest, this game feels. Look at that. Yeah, this game <laughs> feels like it could have been like a Sony, like exclusive. Like yeah. it could have been like a Sony first-party game, not like the the AAA like you know Sony Santa Monica thing. Yeah, yeah. But you know how they kind of have those secondary that second tier. Yeah. Where it's like you're like, wow, this is really good. You know, like kind of what Days Gone wants to be. Yeah. Um, it's got it's like that. And uh, I, you know, I, I didn't get around to playing this immediately just because I had a lot of other things to do. But like, it hooked. Me, this one hooked me pretty hard. Like, I played the first eight chapters in one sitting. Wow. Um, Are there? I, do you have any complaints? Any criticisms of it? Not really. No. Like, um, I mean, there's kind of the, the only criticism I have is like, if you're not into this sort of sneak 'em up story driven character-based thing, it's probably not going to do anything for you. Because there's nothing else there. But I will much. straight up say, I think this is one of the best things I've played this year. Wow. Like, wow. Like, I, if if this isn't on my short list of, like, you know, one of the, your better games or better, you know, the very least best, like, some of the better voice acting or sound design at the end of the year, I'll be surprised. This is this is a really quality game that came out of nowhere. Surprised. I, I wasn't even going to give it the time of day. There wasn't a lot of pre-launch yeah. marketing for this either. No, like I remember seeing some of the tra- some of the trailers, and I just sort of and some of the art for it. I just assumed it it wasn't going to look like that. That was going to look. Me too. It was going to look more no, like your standard tra- sort of indie yeah. game. My, that first trailer, I saw it, and I was like, "Oh, that's bullshit." Yeah. I'm like, "There's yeah. no way that this little team is going to have like thousands of rats running on screen." Mm-hmm. I was wrong. Yeah. No. It's 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 great. Um, I'm a I'm a I'm a believer in uh, No Code. That's the name of the the, the developer. Um, How much is this game? Uh, I want to say it's either twenty or thirty. Oh crap! So it's it's um, not even it's not like forty pri- or fifty. It's definitely not full price. Wow! I'll look I'll look it up. I'm How sure. many hours would you say you've played it so far? Um, 
uh, let me think. That's probably like five or six. Dang. And I'd say I'm probably like two. I feel it feels like I'm two thirds of the way through. So story, it's probably like an eight hour story game structure wise. Oh yeah, I'd say it's about that. Um, man, for twenty, even for thirty bucks. Oh, that, maybe it's fifty. Yeah, that's it. 50? Sounded more more accurate. I was like, man, I've never seen a game look this good sell for twenty bucks. Looks like it's forty five on Steam. Okay. How do you feel about that price? It's good, fine. Yeah, it's you're fine. okay with that. I've paid sixty bucks for way bad, worse things. And this is, I mean, I, it, it's kind of unique. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, I've never seen a crazy swarm mechanic like that in a game before. Yeah, I was trying. To, I, 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 remember, I feel like I have seen swarm stuff in things before, but not done usually this well. airborne. Yeah, there airborne, fly. like flocking stuff. Yeah, or like Look at this. this or is just crazy. sort of, sort of like general darkness you know like yeah. sort of like you know like kind of like the inky black oil sort of darkness yeah. sort of thing maybe stuff like that but like oh my all God. the all the individual yeah hurting them out of things is but and then of course like right there you see uh they, they ate that guy yeah as i drove there is if you if you figure out how to do it you can save him oh okay um and then he and so there's little little like optional things like that um, so yeah, there's a, there's honestly a lot to like here. Uh, yeah, and it's, uh, it's not just frustrating. Just watching that the swarm check- react to that light as it swings back and forth. The the, the, the it's not it's frustrating. Crazy. The checkpoints are not um, annoying. Like the checkpoints happen very frequently. So even if you get caught, like I feel like I never I never feel like so I'm every redoing. scenario basically. Yeah, you get every every little main obstacle you encounter is going to have a checkpoint on it. So like you know you're, you're kind of free to experiment or screw up, and you're only going to lose like two minutes. Um, yeah, I dig it. Game like looks the, good. The, upgra- the upgrades all feel meaningful. They all change kind of things in a very like in a tangible way that makes the game play a little easier. I mean, yeah, or at least a little different. Like you know, you don't have to worry about it as much, um, but you still always have to worry about the kid. Uh, but it's not too bad. It's, it's it all works really well. Awesome. So there you go. Plague Tale Innocence. Matt gives it the recommendation. Yeah. By recommendation. I, it's, it's a big thumbs up. Like, I didn't expect it to be. I yeah, was just sort of... I mean, just watching the B-roll and talking to you about it, it my mind is kind of blown, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like, I really had low expectations for that game. Yeah, and I, I don't, you know, I don't get, like, creeped, you know, games don't scare me. I don't, oh, if people don't are bugged but out like, by rats, but like the rats this are, game will put them in the grave. But the rats are creep. I mean, I, I multiple times I've, I've been playing and looked at, looked at something, and I'm just like, that's gross. Yeah, like that's, yeah. That's just, you start searching the corners of your house, making sure that there's yeah. no. Yeah, like, there's like, there's moments where you can you can smell it. Wow. And, the, and there's like little things, just like like a like a section where they they have no choice. Uh, it's in this part of the game, but there's a they come across a big you know the remains of a battlefield where it's just corpses everywhere, and they have to step over them all. Yeah. And, the, and at one I point, saw that earlier. At one point, they end up having to to step oh. on them and walk on them, and the and the the characters react to that and. You kind of see their feet sort of squishing Crunching. over, squishing over these uh. things. It's, it's uh, it, it also it gets to the heart of the idea that it was not a fun time to live, even if there weren't like monster super rat swarms yeah. running around. All right. And, well, there you go. So forty-five bucks. It's PC, PS4, and Xbox One. Is there a Switch version? I don't think there's a Switch version. Okay. Uh, it don't, it's coming. I guarantee probably, it. It's probably coming. Guarantee I, it. I'd be interested to see them pull that off on the Switch. Yeah, that's, that tech. That's, yeah, that's, it might that's, be that's some Hellblade level looking stuff. It might be like 500 rats instead of yeah. like 5,000 rats. Um, yeah, I think I, I'm playing it on Xbox One X, I think. Yeah. Yes. Xbox One X was, was the one for this one. Okay. Because the two games I played this, this week that you didn't were on one, one of each. One or the other. 
And the other one had to be PS4 because it's not on Xbox. Right. So. All right, there you go. A Plague Tale Innocence. Matt gives it the thumbs up and a buy recommendation. We're going to move on. We're going to talk next about something we try not to ever talk about on Game Face. But in this case, it's directly affecting us as players and game enthusiasts, and that is politics. Uh, there are two big stories that broke this week in the political realm. Um, one is discouraging. One, I think it'll depend on your perspective on how you view it. Uh, the first thing we're going to talk about is loot boxes. Not the first time we've talked about them, not the last time. However, something drastic has changed over the last two weeks, and that is in Congress, a bill has been proposed to essentially... Well, the wording that they use is to is to keep children from being exposed to gambling. Mm. But if you actually dig into the bill, and this is a problem that I have with politics in general, and it's why I'm an independent, is like every bill, it seems like it's okay, and then you start digging into it, and you find out that stuff has been inserted in the fine print that they didn't think that they'd be able to get through somewhere else. I hate it. It's another case with this bill where there's stuff kind of hidden inside the bill. Um, it is. It does have bipartisan support-ish. Mm-hmm. I believe there are two Democrats so far that have signed on and said that they'll they'll help push it forward. Uh, but this is a a bill proposed by Republicans and mostly mm-hmm. supported by Republicans. Um, I took some notes because this is one of those things where you kind of really need to know what's going on and the minute details around it. And what they found kind of hidden in the fine print is that the bill, one, isn't only targeted at children, Mm. and two, the way they define things in the bill leaves the entire industry open to be basically attacked by this bill. Not just games Mm. and loot boxes and not just children who play Well, I mean, that's the whole point. What? To do that. To like, do what? That's why that's that, that's in there intentionally. Right. right. That's what I was saying earlier yeah. about them sliding stuff into bills. Like, right. You get the headline I mean, this, of what the bill. This is what I've said about the loot box thing from the beginning when people started screaming about it need, needing to be regulated by the government is you're letting the government, you know, we fought for years and years to not let the government regulate games when, when that's it was about, why the when ESRB it was about violence exists. and blood. Yeah. Or what you know, content related stuff. And now, like, you want to get rid of your so-called gambling stuff. You're gonna give them a foot in the door, and this bill straight up shows, like, you know, it's not just that. They it leaves the door open for them to regulate anything, and that's what they want. I mean, and that's, that's and so here's the exact verbiage, which is ironic because that's what Republicans say they don't want regulation. Right. But they love regulation when it comes to industries that a don't lobby to them and pay them money, and b they don't care about personally. Yeah. Which and uh, the 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 problem with video games is that does not lobby directly to to the politician and politician doesn't care about them applies equally when it comes to video games to democrats and republicans yeah because it's all old people who don't know what they're talking about yeah i mean sometimes you see kind of their staff who's younger kind of try to get it in there but we are still talking about people that spent an entire like hearing arguing over whether or not children should play resident of evil creek right (laughs) no you're right um and so this is a case where the bill the headline of the bill is Keep kids from gambling. Right. But the actual verbiage from the bill, and I have it right here, and I'm going to read it verbatim. um, These are the stipulations that the bill uses 
to be able to attach itself to an offense, essentially. Mm. Uh, use of animated characters or activities that appeal to anyone under 18. The age of non-playable characters in the game. Think about that. Yeah, so if there's children anywhere in your game. Right. The presence of celebrities who appeal to individuals under 18. Which so is anyone. So we were taught right. So we were talking about Call of Duty last week mm-hmm. and how like it has these celebrity cameos. Insert Kevin Spacey joke here. Seriously. But that's what I'm <laughs> this the way this bill is written, games like Call of Duty that uses any look, any celebrity, children like. Mm-hmm. All of them. If they see them on TV, they're like that person's cool. So this verbiage is basically opening it up to every video game that ever uses a celebrity. Uh, the presence of celebrities who appeal to individuals under 18, any advertising materials, or other evidence related to the composition of the game's player base, just to name a few. So the just to name a few also leaves the door open for them to basically interpret it however they want. Mm. It's, it's insane. The new law would also apply to any game that is not a minor-oriented game if the distributor or publisher has, quote-unquote, constructive knowledge any of its users are under the age of 18. So, it basically circumvents the M rating as a useful metric. Right. Which is what they would have loved to do ever since the ESRB was created. Yeah, I mean, this bill is basically saying, you know what, ESRB, your M rating doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. We can go after you no matter what. And this is exactly... Why screaming about getting government regulation involved for the loot box thing was an error. Yeah. And I've always said it was an error. But here we are, so enjoy it. But it's not like, look, the ESA is vehemently opposed to this. The new president of the ESA put out a statement. He's like, this is garbage. Of course they are, but what's the ESA going to do? Well, they are the lobbying part of the government. Yeah, but they ain't like, you know, what are they going to do? I mean, they're not an oil company. They're not, you know, their lobbying power is limited at best. Oh, yeah, for sure. And truth be told, the people who propose this bill... Right. It's not going to make a dent. In, in, it's not going to move their needle, right. what the ESA can do financially or, you know, rhetorically. Um, and also keep in mind that they're using, especially Hawley, the guy who's, who's sort of spearheading this thing, is continually using for the children, for the children. Everybody cares about the health and well-being and safety of our children. They're putting casinos and games to addict our children. Um, which I could point out some things that you don't care about the health and safety of our children uh, in other yeah. political arenas, uh, son. Yeah. But um, that's the easiest way to push this through is just say like, no matter what, no matter how far reaching it is, like, well, we need it to be far reaching because uh, otherwise children might gamble, and like that—that's their excuse for it. Um, it gets worse though because look, the the loot box thing is something that I think. The average person, if they do a little bit of research, can kind of understand. They've all played slot machines. They've all probably been to a casino at one point in their lives. They get that. Or more accurately, they've all bought baseball cards, which is what it is. Right. The other part of the bill, though, goes after pay to win. Mm -hmm. Which, look, both of us have sat here and said pay to win is garbage. Most loot boxes Mm -hmm. are garbage. But it doesn't define pay to win. It It just sort of says... Things you can buy that you can use in the game. Yep. Which covers almost every imaginable DLC transaction. Yep. Or if you look at games like MMOs, like World of Warcraft or Final Fantasy XIV, you can pay for items 
that will take you from level one uh, yeah, the level to level stuff. 60. Yeah, that would, that would qualify for and that. And that yeah. would qualify. But if you think about Even what, though MMOs are not really particularly competitive they're not. games. You're not. You're not competing against mm -hmm. anyone. And this is where it starts to get really bad because now you have a, a topic, a subject, that the average person can't wrap their head around by doing some research. You can't. You can't understand what an MMO is like unless you're a gamer and you've played MMOs. You look at it, you're like, people are hacking people with swords, sure, someone's getting an advantage. No, that's not how they work. But the people who write these bills don't take the time to do that kind of stuff. They just write the bills so that they're open-ended enough so that they eventually can just do whatever the hell they want and it doesn't go against the verbiage of the bill. Um, this, by the way, is not in law. into law. This has not been passed. This is all going through debates mm -hmm. right now. It's an idea. And this all can change a whole lot between now and when, were it to ever become any kind of, not even a law, just sort of like approved and a sent statute. to the Senate, basically. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of hoops yet to run through, and a lot of the a lot of times bills like this, because of language like this that gets pointed out, will go through tremendous revisions or get killed and have to get like rewritten from the ground up and proposed as a separate bill and that kind of thing. Um, so it's not like, you know, we're about to outlaw video games or anything. Right. Um, but this is pretty much what I expected the move to be should this ever have gotten to the U.S. Congress. And they did not disappoint me. However, one thing I would recommend is do a little research on your own. Find out who your representative is and call or email that representative and tell them to mm. not back this bill. Because it's getting bipartisan support right now. There are some Democrats who are signing on for this. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's not a ton, but like, the trick is that you're dealing with an, an you know, a group of a group of people who would be will be voting on this that just don't understand this industry at all. Right. And don't understand the difference between what's be, you know, what has what has been asked to be regulated by the people who consume the content, and what. You know, the bill has kind of found a way to re regulate. I mean, because I am pretty convinced that that uh, a lot of legislators see this as a backdoor into being able to directly regulate an industry Content. that a they don't understand, b they don't care about, and c they know is an easy hot button thing for parents that vote for them. Yeah, as sort of like you know, I mean, I grew up in uh, up in you know the Bay Area, and that was uh, Benson Yee was doing that since I was a kid when he was running for yeah. local council. He was hammering the video game thing over and over and over and over again. Violence in games, violence in games, violence in games. And then my, my mom would routinely tell his people to fuck off and get off our lawn. Um, it was just, you know, literally like go away with your stupid signs. And then he got busted for running actual assault rifles. Yeah, he did. He's in, he's he's in, in jail prison. now. Yeah. He's in prison right now for running actual guns. guns. After getting bent After out of shape. 20 years of trying to stop GTA. guns. Yeah. Well, it's not always, surprising. It's, they're always doing that. The, like this, these guys, people who wrote this bill probably run casinos somewhere. Probably, like they're, like, yeah. They're like, oh, they're taking away our revenue from our casinos. Yeah, yeah. Like, they're like, they're going to teach these kids to gamble in a video game instead of going to our casino. Yeah, where they can be I want corrupted. these kids to get. I want these kids to grow up and be addicted to our slot machines, yeah. not Fortnite slot machine. Also, the the lawmaker who proposed this bill, to his credit, he did do interviews with both Polygon and Kotaku, so he's not like dodging, which mm -hmm. I'll give him some credit for. But he admits that he never has played games. No. He doesn't play games now. He said that he based this bill on his friends telling him that, hey, my son or daughter, we got a credit card bill, and there was this $80 bill for Fortnite. Mm -hmm. Sounds to me like the problem there is you're giving your child access to your credit card. Yeah. 
This what, just what? La- it's lack of parenting again. Yeah. It's it's sad how often perceived issues for youth come back to the fact that they just have crappy parents. Mm-hmm. And this is another case of it. These parents are pissed off because stupidly they gave their credit card number to an eight year old, and now they're shocked that the eight year old didn't have didn't understand the concept of money or a credit card. And it's just like you know what? If I press this button, I get that hat. That's all they understand. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> right, maybe. <laughs> now I'll do it again. I get a hat. Going to keep getting maybe. hats until I get the hat until I want. Until I get the hat I want. And it, So you're saying like, oh, it, it's not my fault for letting my kid have my credit card and run roughshod with my finances. It's this industry's fault for providing some place where people can pay for stuff? <laughs> it's. I mean, for that matter, your kid could just go like, steal your credit card and go buy a whole lot of bananas or yeah like what's the difference yeah like there's something to be said for sort of like keeping keeping the industry honest in terms of sort of the sure. the predatory nature of some of I these mean, look we've railed on loot boxes sure. over and over on this show um but this is uh, you know as as the kids say themselves this ain't it chief yeah like it, it's uh it's it's you know some then you get somebody you need I don't know. You need an Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez of video game legislation. Right. Know, you know, hell, she probably does know more about video games oh, for than sure. these guys. I mean, she showed she's up a on gamer. a stream. She's a gamer. She plays it. games. Yeah. She's talked about it before. And, you know, and I'm sure she wouldn't be against sort of the regulation such thing, but they need to bring someone in who knows shit about shit yeah. on the subject to say, like, oh, no, what we want to stop is this stuff that, that we can consider kind of a, a predatory practice, an addiction-level practice. Um that preys on that sort of impulse control problem as the method of selling the thing. You know, you're not selling it on the basis of the value of the product. You're selling it on the basis of like, I need, I want the thing, I want the thing, I want the thing. Um, it's not, you know, there's a difference. This is sort of where the, the line blurs. You know, that's probably yeah. where you can get into, you know, you know, legitimately regulating some of this stuff is because like, there's a point at which you're not selling a product, you're selling an experience. And the point of that experience is to make you want more of the experience. And that's when you run into the problem of sort of using addiction as, as a marketing tool. Well, it's funny because if, if you do a lot of research on this, and I have, that the baseball card thing comes up every time. Yeah. It's the, the analogy that is used every time. Can you think of another? Um, I mean... I can't. I mean, sports card. I mean, I guess you could go into like... Not, not that it's like widespread. Trading cards. Trading cards. Gumball machines, That's like it. you know, it's it's like and that so kind of I'm thing. I'm wondering capsule toys, but we right. don't really, we didn't really have that in this country until like like 15 years ago. Or yeah, so. I mean, we still don't really have them like Japan or like does. those stupid machines that spit out a different sticker when you put a quarter in at the ed- at, well, it used to be at the entryway to Toys R Us all the time. Yeah, um, that kind of thing, you know. But, but otherwise, there's really no other comparison to it, and so maybe we need to shift the discussion from it's not gambling because of baseball cards, and maybe say, you know what? Baseball cards were gambling. Maybe. Because, look, I was a kid, and I, I'm not a huge baseball or, or trading card collector. I never have been. But there was, like, two years of my life where I did. And I had a grandmother who would take me to the store every day. For whatever reason, she went to the store every day. And she would take me along. And when I would stand waiting in line at the grocery store, I would stare at the baseball cards and, like, froth at the mouth. And mm. she would buy me a pack every time. And I got addicted to it, like the thrill of opening the cards, seeing if I got anything that's worth mm. any money, seeing if I got players that were on the my, the Pirates, the team that I rooted for. 
And I can see where it is kind of the same thing. So maybe the discussion isn't, no, it's not gambling because of baseball cards. And maybe the real discussion is, you know what? Trading cards are gambling too. Well, I don't think it's, uh, well, no, they're not. But like the, the trick is that it's, it's preying on the same sort of lottery addiction right. that people have trouble, you know, cert, especially certainly it's, it's a person to person thing. I mean, I, is, yeah. I had a lot of training cards when I was a kid. I didn't have sports cards, but I had uh, uh, garbage pail kids and Marvel stuff or whatever. and X-Men stuff. You, you collected cards. And when I, and I, you know, I got and buy them. I, I, I never, you know, I did spend all my money that I had once on garbage pail kids when they, was, they got real big. Series two was like it all blew up and everybody was collecting them and I'm like I'm going to Woolworths when we <laughs> had Woolworths <laughs> and buying them out and so I did and like yeah, and you know it was, it was I had a lot of fun and then I was like oh, you I, read it? I was like, I don't have any money but I do have these cards so I traded a bunch of the cards to my friend uh, Scott uh, in exchange for like a bunch of, like a like a big um, film can we used to have, there used to film Cameras used to use film. And <laughs> this when, stuff that you would spool into yeah, this contraption. And when, and when you were out, the roll was done. They were on rolls. Uh, <laughs> you, you rewound the roll, and it was like a little plastic cylinder, and you put it in a little black cap plastic, thing, plastic like a little bottle, container. like a pill bottle thing with a cap, and you took that to the to the um, the, the photo mat, <laughs> the, the drive-through or photo the drug mat. Store. I think the drugstore. Drug some store. of them still some will of them do still photos. Do. Yeah. Um, that Robin Williams movie, one hour photo, it doesn't even make any sense anymore. Yeah, it doesn't. Um, but you, you bring it in, then again. So what we would, but we would keep in the '80s. We would keep those film bottles, canisters, those canisters, yeah. and we would fill them up with quarters for the arcade. They fit perfectly. Like, yeah, they're perfect size for quarters. Yeah. So we would, we would, you'd put your quarters in there, and when it was full, you'd go to the arcade. And it was and like he, a little maraca. And too. he <laughs> traded me two full film bottles of quarters for my like the missing series two. Garbage pill kids he needed, which was like more than I paid for them, because um, back then those the, the packs of trading cards were like fifty cents. Yeah, and now, now like I think they're like five dollars. Yeah, um, and I traded a, a a complete 1987 top set baseball for skateboard rails. Mm -hmm. The thing the, with the, that set now is worth like thousands yeah. of dollars. I traded it for. Two pieces of plastic that, when they were new, cost like eight dollars, and whose entire <laughs> entire purpose was to be ruined. And my friend still has that set, <laughs> and he still remembers. He's like, "Oh, I knew you were a sucker as soon as you made that offer." I wish I, I had. They did for I think season series three around there. They did giant size garbage pail kids. Yeah. These, they were like, like almost like, like were bigger. They're like five by seven, five yeah. five by seven inches, and. They only, there was only like 20 or 30 in the set, and I got the whole set. And for whatever reason, almost everything else I had as a kid still was around, ended up in a box somewhere. But for some reason, those things disappeared. My mom might have thrown them out because she always hated the garbage. <laughs> I think most parents And I, I was like, well, I can't find it. When we moved out of my, when my mom moved out of the house I grew up in, and we were I'm like, I, was, I thought I'd find those eventually, and I never did. I'm like, I don't know what happened to those. And I looked them up, and those things are worth hundreds and hundreds of dollars now. Yeah. Like the, the, the few things that like, I, I end up losing or get thrown out. Or they're get, the ones they're the that ones end up that being are, worth something. It's like how like my old cat <laughs> never scratched on anything, never damaged anything, never touched anything, never ate cords, never did anything. The one thing she scratched up was the the box for the Lego Ultimate Millennium Falcon, which I bought when it came out for four hundred dollars, and now and is now worth five thousand. Right, but it's not because, because the sides all covered in scratches. <laughs> 
and the other problem is because that cat's dead now, I don't want to get rid of the box because it reminds because it's like, oh, that was the, the box the cat scratched. So I keep the keep it because it reminds me of the cat. Now I can yeah. never sell the damn thing. Right. So yeah, like I have bad luck when it comes to the valuable shit. But the problem is that like that the cards that are in one of those packs do not have an inherent monetary value. Gambling is you're gambling for money. And well, but you are because you know that certain cards, like you get the, a rookie card for a good player. You know that's, that's worth a lot of money. But that's secondary market. It's the point is money. Money is the point. Like money right, but is. You make money off it when you sell doesn't those matter. cards. Doesn't matter. Inherently valuable. The money is inherently valuable. There is an. You can take a car that you win from whatever and go to anyone and say this car is worth this much because that is how much that car is worth. They sell that car for this much at a dealership, whereas. But you, you can buy cars at all different prices at dealerships. The not same that's car. Spe- not th- yeah, but that specific car, you're going to get a range of value, and you're going to kind of come up, you can sell on how much that car is worth. You go to the manufacturer and say, how much is this car worth? The MSRP is this. That's how much it's worth. That's what you're winning. That's the value of that prize. If you open that up and get a Jose Canseco rated rookie card back in whatever year that was, what was that, 86, oh, something like that? No. Um, that was that was the big card when I when I was in like kind of that early like late grade school early middle school Jose Canseco rated tops rated rookie card was four hundred dollars or something because no was cause, it printed with steroids no he he wasn't he didn't even have <laughs> the arms Roy, yet no he didn't even look like that yet he looked like a normal human being at that point yeah. like because it was the first year he was right. it was just He's nobody you know nobody like Barry Bonds I had, I had a friend who used it as you know used it as the freaking motorcycle sound thing in his yeah. he, he never let himself forgave himself for that he used <laughs> Jose Canseco's rated rookie card yeah. as like his bicycle spoke motorcycle but you do thing. know there's more value so like there's this but basketball. it's not but it's not a value that like the man it's not like how much that thing is worth in terms of a retail how much cost they charge you for it's it. like if you go to tops and say how much is this rated rookie card worth they're going to say it's like four cents because we sell it on a pack of 12 other cards and, and you, and you that, pay for 50 it, yeah. cents for them. Right. Like the inherent value is not that. The, the, that's the problem. You could adjust the gambling commission to cover that, like the perceived secondary market value, but that's a very hard thing to keep up with. What I think is probably the end game here, especially from the legislation side. Kill the bill, first of well, all. Well, you kill. You probably kill the bill, but I, I would not be surprised if this sort of the, 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 the focus honed in on the idea of games or at least game publishers that deal in loot box transactions are answerable to the gaming commission because that's where they sudden, suddenly they found a way to make money off it themselves. Right. So then they regulated in that regard. Uh, they don't care what regulation, what draconian regulation. Gaming commission, regulation. by the way, is a commission that governs gambling. Governs gambling. Horse racing. Yeah. All that stuff. Card games. Casinos. Games, everything. Yeah. Um, and so so my guess would be that eventually you would kind of hone this down, down, down to the idea that all of a sudden the gaming commission can get its hooks into any publisher that decides to deal in loot boxes. Yeah. Um, now, the ultimate result of that i would think would be that publishers would stop using loot boxes because they don't want to be beholden to the that. problem but is it depends the industry how the... is so dependent on it like ea right now is losing it like it mm-hmm. is like if you outlaw this like our company could go under well i don't know if the loot box is the problem for i mean you get rid of loot boxes you still have microtransactions but that's what that's what i'm saying right, but what i'm saying is that you hone that down to only cover loot boxes right um would, would would be more. I'm, I'm just saying, issue. as the bill is written the right now. The bill is written right now. EA so, would be screwed. The bill is written right now is so broad that it's ridiculous. Like, I mean, even the in that interview with Holly, his his assistant or the other guy who's working with him, I don't remember. I think he's like, I think he's junior to him or something. But he, uh, the other guy, says like, 
you know, we have had meetings with them, with the game publishers and the and ESA, and they have concerns about da da da. And then Holly's like, he's being very diplomatic. Yeah, and, and then like, the other guy said something like along the lines, "That's a good sign." Well, it's if a good sign because nervous, they're, they're, they're scared. Yeah, yeah, because they they know that they that this is yeah they're scared because all their revenue is going to go away. Well, right, like, <laughs> that's why they're scared. But like the the fact that the same people that were freaking out about how loot boxes must be destroyed are now freaking out about how this is going to be bad for the public. Well, of course, this was always going to be bad for the public. That's the whole point. Like, they're, yeah. they're, they're, you're, you get rid of this revenue stream. I don't think anyone's find shedding any tears for EA. Well, I, no, I don't but that's I mean, the point It's the bigger the implication pro- of what this means. Yeah, but that was always going to be the bigger, bigger implication. I mean, in an ideal world, they will hone this down to the point that they're focused only on loot boxes and the gaming commission might get involved, and that would probably send most publishers running for the hills in terms of using loot boxes in their games, which is probably the you know the ideal result for a gamer, yeah. I would think, would be just publishers stop using loot boxes, right? Yeah. Um, but that's a, that's a long and twisting legislative path that involves at least an, one more bill being written about. It's it. also it would be hard because a lot. I mean, a lot of the business models now are dependent upon that revenue. Well, it would survive. be a bigger problem for mobile games. Oh yeah, yeah I mean would, they just like go away. I mean, you'd be looking at that kind of you possibly even be looking at like international issues considering how ten how much ten cent. I mean, that's the funny part stuff. that EA is freaking out about this. Like ten cent should be the one really freaking out because that's his whole business. Well, ten cents in another country. So they probably feel that they can find a way around it. But I mean, they're making hundreds of millions of dollars in the U.S. They yeah. will have to adhere to the laws of the U.S. to make that money. Here. Will they? Yeah, I mean, will they will. They? Yeah, absolutely. Will they really? Yeah. Why how? not? How are you going to? How are you going to force that? What do you mean? It's more malleable than you might think. I think. Well, everything's more malleable than everyone thinks. That's, I don't think that's ten, just life. But... I don't think Tencent's worried about it. And matter of fact, Tencent probably has the leverage in terms of international negotiation to basically say, like, "Oh, we don't count for that." But EA's all over the world too. I mean, yeah, but EA's US everywhere. Based. I guess. Like, I don't know. It, the bottom line is the bill is bad. It has. I feel like it had good intentions going in. But as usual, the bill ended up getting bloated, and they started sliding stuff, slimy stuff, into the bill as time went on, and now it's bad. So I don't think they were sliding slimy stuff in. I think that was the point, like making it broad enough that they can like have widespread regulation over the game industry. I think is the point. Well, absolutely, like, but they were—they're not going to do that overtly. Like the, they did, though. It's right well, here. Well, it only was after only after the bill was actually written because they were pitching this around Congress for about two months before they actually wrote the bill. And the pitch was, let's keep kids from becoming addicted gamblers. Everyone's going to agree with that. Right. Everyone's going to be like, hell yeah. That Hey, I don't care what, what side you're on. We can all agree on that. Let's not make kids become addicted gamblers. And then when it actually came time to write the bill, stuff that they had never mentioned before when they were pitching this to their colleagues, now it's in there. Well, yeah, but I don't think the colleagues are going to look at that and be like, oh, my God, that's horrible. They're going to be like, yeah, that makes sense. They're gonna be like, yeah, that's what I agreed to, because they don't know the nuance of it. They don't, you know. Right. It's not like it's not like this Holly guy is the only person that doesn't play video games who's like involved. Right. But in you this. are questioning I mean, the what's the value of the ESA? That's the value of the ESA to be able to go in and educate and say, look at Final Fantasy XIV and this other gigantic game you may have heard of called World of Warcraft. Let me explain to you how this stuff works inside mm-hmm. these games and why your bill is not gonna work. There yeah. are only hope. 
BSX. Well, that'll be fun to watch that meeting and see all the all the representatives' eyes glaze over and as they don't sleep. care about any of this. <laughs> and the, because where's the where's the the opposition? Yeah, you know, no one has raised any opposition to this in in the house. That's why I'm telling you to do it and for us to do it. Like if you find out that mm -hmm. your local representative is going to support this bill, call or email. You can be the educators. You can be the one that calls in and says, hey, let me tell you what this really means because I can understand why you'd want to sign it because it sounds really good, but let me educate you. Or if you hate loot boxes that much, like go scorched earth on it like because yeah. that's pretty much what this is. But you're going to really regret it if you do that, I think. Uh, and then the second big story, political story of the week related to games is... Right now, the U.S. is flirting with taxing all electronics coming out of China with a 25% tariff, mm. which would which, ultimately... Which, if you understand tariffs the way Donald Trump understands tariffs, uh, no, we pay that. Yeah. Not the people exporting it to us. The, we the pay tariffs it. come from us. So like, when, say, a batch of Nintendo Switches come across on a crate across the Pacific and they land in L.A. or in San Francisco, when they land on our shores, we pay mm -hmm. that 25% tax on whatever yeah. China sent us. The China didn't pay it to China get didn't it pay here. anything. The theory on a tariff uh, uh, is that because it costs so much more on our end, we will order less of the product from China or whatever country is being tariffed, and then that hurts them because they are exporting less. But we are still paying more for the things we need on our domestic side. Not only that, not only are you paying more It's a temporary it's solution. It's not a permanent way to solve the problem, which is how the Trump administration has treated tariffs for three years now. Well, the other problem, too, is that you're actually paying twice in some right. cases because you're paying... So the stuff comes in, and our retailers in America buy it from mm -hmm. Nintendo or Sony or Microsoft. The price that they pay goes up. Yeah, because the price that Nintendo because had to pay went up. Went up. And the price gets keep, keeps just, getting just passed, get passed down, on the way down. Yeah. to ultimately to us. Mm -hmm. Because the retailers pay the extra 25%, and then they just increase the price of the product on the store shelves by 25%. Yeah. That's why you've been seeing Target and Walmart like freaking out over the last few weeks, because... The prices of all their stuff is going up, and we are pay we pay that. Definitely, and also probably not a great, not a great thing to be on the horizon when you're considering launching a new console in the next year. So and that's half. why we're talking about it. So to continue, what I was saying though about how you can pay twice in the case of some products, like for instance, we just gave the farmers a second bailout. They don't want it. They're like, we don't want welfare. They're like, we just want to work and be able to sell our stuff. So we gave them one bailout that was like twelve billion dollars. We just signed another bailout that's $16 billion. So not only are we paying the tax when the stuff comes over, now our tax money is going to pay off the farmers, which related to games, maybe not such a big deal because stuff isn't actually constructed here. But if it were, that would be a case where we would be paying twice for that same product in mm -hmm. addition to what we pay for that product. So you brought up the reason why we're discussing it here. There's these consoles that are about to launch here in the next 18 months or yeah. so. This is how you end up at 599 US dollars again. It is. And Pac, I mean, Pac said he thought the PS5 was going to be 300 bucks. <laughs> Literally, my jaw, I think, hit his floor when he said that. And I think by the time we had finished recording that topic, I think, because again, like you guys don't realize, but. I think he admitted by the end of it. It's like, okay, maybe 300 
kind of And the reason he did that was because during the course of him answering that topic, I kept throwing facts in his face. And you guys don't see this because it's all cut out for Pactor Factor, but Pactor Factor episodes are a dialogue between Pactor and I (laughs) where he... He says stuff, and then I'll explain. So, and a lot of times, I mean, 90% of the time he's right, but he'll, sometimes he's not. And I'll say, well, what about this? Well, what about this? And that stuff's never put into the show. All that's put into the show is ultimately what he states for the record. Mm-hmm. So you can see in that, by the end of it, he had been like, okay, maybe you're right. Like 300 seems a little crazy. But he wouldn't budge above four. He still thinks 400 is the max price. Um, and if you believe that, then this is absolutely how... PlayStation 5 gets to 599 US dollars. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And Xbox, I'm guessing, same deal. It's probably assembled in China. Yeah, the, of the, course. The, the parts, the components, they get from lots of places, but ultimately all these products are assembled in China. Same with the Nintendo Switch. So potentially all three platforms could have a 25% tariff slapped on them, which is going to get passed down to us, which means, oddly enough, the price of the Nintendo Switch could go up. Mm. Can you ever remember a console's price ever going up? Not without changing the, the model. Not without changing the skew, yeah. Right. But the Nikkei, the most respected financial publication in Japan, has gone on record and says if these tariffs go through, the Nintendo Switch will have a 25% increase in its price. Mm. So you're talking about right now, what is it, 400? 300. What, the Switch? The Switch. 250. Oh, is it's it, 250 now? Is it 250 now? No, I think it's 300. I haven't bought a Switch in I, since I think launch. it's 300. So you're talking about that $300 Switch, if that's the case, going up to $375. An extra $75 to buy a Switch if these tariffs actually go through and they're imposed. So. 300, yeah. Yeah. At Best Buy, anyway. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's his MSRP. Some places will discount it and throw in a game or whatever just to try to move them. But, yeah, it's MSRP is 300. So, the MSRP of the Switch would go to 375 from $300. Now, you start talking about a console that's going to be $400. That's another 25 bucks. So, that $400 console, $500. $500 console. That goes up another $125. That $500 console is now $625. dollars mm-hmm. So you can see where this is all going. And this is just for us. This is the stuff that we care about. You start talking about all electronics, holy crap. I mean, the price increase, we pay for it. China doesn't pay for it. Nintendo doesn't pay for it. Sony doesn't pay for it. Microsoft doesn't pay for it. We pay for it. Yep. So it's bad, people. It's really bad, particularly when we're talking about getting ready to transition into a brand new console cycle. Um, where pricing yeah. is a big deal. I mean, we got E3 right now, a couple weeks away. Like, I would say right now, there's no way we're getting any pricing information about anything at E3. No. No way. It's not going to happen. But this is just yet another thing the ESA is going to have to busy itself with. It is. With. Absolutely. So. And I, go, I also want, I don't know what the timing on stuff like this is. Like, you know, the tariff will apply basically whenever everything gets Oh, it's instantaneous. In. Gets, yeah. well, it gets it's just like in. that. But, like, so basically you have a time limit to the point, like, when these things start shipping into the country that you have to... What you start to see is manufacturers and retailers starting to over-order and hoard 
inventory. Mm-hmm. So a Walmart, a Target, like they'll they'll start increasing their orders from Nintendo and Microsoft and Sony. Well, I mean, in in terms of the new systems, like oh. you have a you have a, a deadline of like when these things need to start getting shipped over here to be able to meet launch demand. Yeah. Although launch demand will be lower if you have to pay six hundred twenty five dollars for right. these things. Um, and you have to make sure that that thing that tariff gets lifted if it is implemented. It has to be lifted before you have to start worrying about shipping these things over. Yeah, um, which is you know months before, uh, weeks at least, sometimes months before the actual launch date. Yeah. So it's uh, talk, the clock's ticking. Like you're, yeah. you got about you got about a year probably from here from here on out. If they implement them in the next month or two, you got about a year to get rid of them. Yeah. Before you impact the console. I mean, launches. you also might want to think about if you are on the fringe of making any big electronics purchases, you might want to make that now. purchase now. Yeah. I mean, that's where we're at for no reason. It's like, it's really crazy. Um, so, look, we, like I said, we hate, we don't talk politics on Game Face very often unless when it affects us as players, as gamers. And here is two stories that could impact us big time. And I know with the way things. Bigly, yeah. And I know what the way the, the environment is right now. Like, some people just want to shut themselves off from politics because it's almost, like, too much. And I totally get that. But this is one case where you kind of need to stick your head up out of the sand and pay attention a little bit. And like I said... Also, it, everything is politics. I guess it is, ultimately, if it really wind it down. But... Yeah. Video games can't get away from politics. I mean, both because of the content of, you know, creative and artistic work yeah. and because... Tariffs ruin console launches. I yeah. mean, it's just like you know, it's both sides doesn't matter. You know? Yeah, it's true. I mean, I would I would say kind of the financial penalties of tariffs are pretty politically neutral things. Like no one wants to pay more for yeah, yeah. the things they want to buy. Yes, absolutely true. So, you know, like I said, I understand it if you've kind of checked out from politics over the last couple of years. I absolutely get it. I sometimes wish I could, to be perfectly honest with you, because I was a lot different two years ago than I am now. Um, but there are some times where you have to sit up and pay attention, and your voice does have power. So it'll be interesting to see how the companies react to this. Also, in the sense that, like, just in the way that you price things, like you know, if they if they have a Switch Pro or whatever they're gonna call it up their sleeve for like early next year, right? Like a tariff on a twenty five percent tariff on that could wreck their price curve to the point that it's no longer hitting the market in the way that they needed to hit the market. Like that's a whole that's a, that can cause a whole bunch of disruptions. Well, Nintendo also makes money on hardware. It pretty much always oh, yeah. does. And so that profit margin, if it, does, if it doesn't pass on to the consumers, they lose their whole profit margin. Right. And uh, well, also because... Like, Which you know is not going to happen. It's not how Nintendo rolls. <laughs> no. But it's also just like, you know, you're, you're impacting... Your you know, 25% jump is going to change how many people buy that system at launch. And yep. like that's, you Absolutely. know, you're, you're, you're messing with business forecasts across years at that point well then you start wondering like okay what percentage of the games are manufactured in china right well and now are we paying an extra all of them. right like, and now are we paying an extra 25 percent every time we buy a game right. and it's like and the thing is like well, the the point of it is to try to encourage you know manufacturing and stuff to happen in the united states but you can't make that happen with the with the, the rare metals and the and the and the way that all works it's a global economy everybody knows it's going to cost way more ever assemble that stuff in the united states of not. Well, everybody knows it well it's also it's going to cost more than that 25% jump to import all the materials and, and make it here anyway. Like it's, it's the whole nonsense. thing is complete, completely asinine. But it's we're the ones who got to like pay for it. It's almost like they don't know what they're doing. Yeah. See, mm. see, that's the thing with politics. It's easy to sit back and say I don't care, but ultimately, the stuff affects you. <laughs> it yeah. doesn't affect the people that you disagree with and that are in politics. 
It's us who pays the price for Ultimately, it. Ultimately, X gonna give it to you. <laughs> All right, let's move on. We're gonna yeah. Talk- some, someone do a mod on Resident Evil Resident Evil Two remake where it's like Mr. X just has tariffs written across his <laughs> chest, like a political cartoon. You can do like different ones. You could have one that says just debt, right? <laughs> <laughs> And like, and then like uh, you put on put on uh, on uh, Leon's chest, you could say "innocent gamers." Yeah, <laughs> sticking a crying Statue of Liberty somewhere. <laughs> All right, let's move on. We're going to talk about another indie. This probably should have been subtitled like the indie episode. And we're going to talk about another one, another indie game that's been getting really good reviews lately, and it is called Observation. Mm. It is a. Hmm. This is kind of a walking simulator, except there's no gravity, so it's more and like a no floating walking. simulator. Oh, no, there is. Is there? Because um, you, you play... Well, set it up. Tell well, them you, what, the, you play, what it's about. You play as, a, as the computer of a space station uh, in crisis. Um, but the trick <laughs> is that like, you know, early on, it's more like... It's like, it's like a Five Nights at Freddy's thing, where you're jumping from camera to camera and picking things and activating them that way. But fairly quickly, you get access to these little floating hover spheres. Like little can, robots, yeah, They can move around freely in the 3D environment. Um, and it's pretty much like um, you are just sort of, you're, you're, you're not very, something has happened and the space station has, was low Earth orbit and now it is. Uh, Out of Earth It orbit. is near Saturn. Yeah. And. Uh, the girl wakes up. She doesn't know what the hell yeah, happened. The, the doctor, Dr. Emma Fisher uh, wakes up and doesn't know what's going on. And basically you're trying to help her, but you're very messy. You're, you're, the computer's messed up anyway. So you're just sort of trying to fix things and find the crew and figure out what happened. And uh, over the course of the game, uh, things get weirder and weirder and weirder uh, in kind of a 2001 Space Odyssey way. And... Uh, that's sort of yeah. I mean, I can't can't go wanna, much can't, further than that without it's like It's really some, spoilerific. Some stuff. Yeah. This game, there's things about it that you can't really talk about. Yeah. Um, some cool. It's cool stuff, but like, yeah, it's like that's about all you get to know if you don't want. And and beyond that, you're kind of learning too much. And the gameplay, what we're seeing right now, is pretty much the yeah. It's gameplay. It. It's um, <laughs> like figuring out how to fix things. Like you have to kind of figure out the interface, and like so here you're filling up your filling up each bar, and that's your corrupted memory. And you have to use uh, a response thing to kind of like highlight things and talk back to the back to Fisher and tell her like, you know what uh, what's wrong in this, and that'll kind of progress things. Um, kind of figuring out how the interface works is sort of half the challenge at the beginning of the game. Um, and in fact, uh, so I, I did finish this in about four hours, um, and the, I got stuck twice, and both times were not puzzles, they were sections where I had no idea where to go. Oh. <laughs> because it was the first time they send you out of the space station, uh, into space to go fix something, and they tell you to go do this thing, and I didn't understand exactly what they were telling me to do and where and then when you get them to repeat the directive they just say go get those clamps sam and it's, uh, oh yeah the, the, your, the computer you play is sam so <laughs> um sam sam may be a, a, a crazy supercomputer we don't know um we definitely know he's ai but uh <laughs> but uh 
you, you're sort of like out there and you're trying you're, and like there's clamps everywhere and like you and like eventually I figured out like oh they wanted me to go to this specific module and it was a different number on the mod and so I figured I finally got there and then you had to find a control panel on it which was like in the shadow around the corner it was it was dumb and then there's another time where they tell you to go to um, they tell you to go to this a certain branch because so the, the 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 space station has kind of a central hub and then there's a a uh, a, a Russian arm and a Chinese arm and a Euro, Euro American arm, like three separate mm -hmm. kind of arms of modules Prongs coming off the center. And they tell you to go to one particular module, and because everything's like all going haywire, you can't see the signs on the wall that tell you which one goes where. And so I I got lost like trying to figure out which hatch to go through because all the hatches look the same. Everything's yeah. all white, and so there isn't there is some nice like differences between things like um like you're seeing here the ha these are the hatches in the uh the, the the esa usa section but when you go into the russian section all the hatches are these giant like submarine door just like this weird industrial kind of right. place. like yeah Korea, russia just continually will not let go of the submarine door thing yeah um but it's an intriguing story. Uh, the puzzles, the, the, I, I do think... It's an adventure it game. It is an adventure basically. game. I do think, um, I think it kind of actually gets into the weirdness a little too fast. Like, I could have used a little more mundane fixing the station stuff to sort of ease into how the game plays. Uh-huh. Um, but overall, it's it was fine. It was it was it was cool. Uh, is I there liked... incentive to play it again? Uh, only if you want all the trophies. Like, there's a couple of things you can you can do in certain events that you can all, you can do one way or another. And the way to do the other way is actually kind of a hard thing to figure out. And you get a secret trophy for some of those. Um, and then there's a trophy for uh, collecting all the data stuff you know all the little entry logs everywhere which i did not do because i was tired but no like branching paths in the story no decisions to make um not really no as far as i could tell no there's like thing little easter eggs you can find little cool things you can find but i don't think there's anything that you can find that actually changes the story much so four hours how much is it um my guess is i want to say it was 20 Ooh. um that's steep for a four-hour game, yeah. five bucks an hour. By a game standard, that's than, expensive. I pay about that much for a movie that's half that long. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, observation. Yeah, the problem is I bought I bought both this and Plague Tale like weeks ago and didn't actually just never played <laughs> didn't them. Get until around this to them week. until this week, so yeah. I don't remember how much I paid for them. Um, dur, 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 dur. But it couldn't have been much. It couldn't have been much more than twenty if I just like. It know, better not be more than twenty. If I, even twenty to me is pushing it for a four-hour experience. I didn't. I didn't mind it uh, for that much. It was. Uh, it's. It's short, but it's. Um, it's unique, and it's not. Um, it, the production value is pretty high. Like I don't think the character models are as well done as Plague Tales, but um, I do think it was. Uh, it was worth it overall. Uh, my main issues with it are kind of a, a sense of navig uh, the navigation problem. But you, you don't feel like the value is proposition is. Poor. No, I, I, I didn't. I didn't think it was that. It was well, sometimes bad. if a game gives you a unique oh, experience, 25. 25. 
I man, that's 20, hard. Twenty five steep. Yeah, um, I might have, maybe I got it for twenty by pre ordering or something. I don't. I feel like I wouldn't. That happens have, a lot. I feel like I wouldn't Steam. have paid twenty five for this, but I, I honestly don't remember. Um, but it was interesting enough and kind of atmospheric enough that I don't regret having it. I will probably play it again at some point um, once I've kind of forgotten more about how to solve everything. Um, the way the interface stuff works is really cool. Um, uh, the performances are good, uh, and certainly, like performances don't have to be. Uh, if you if you like stuff like kind of the 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 cosmic mystery of two thousand one, or even Interstellar to some degree, um, I think you'll find something to like here. Um, or uh, Sunshine, like remind me of Sunshine, except without a terrible ending. Um, that kind of thing. Uh, there is a little bit of a feeling of like solving flash game puzzles with it in terms of it how the interface like it, works, yeah. but like it all kind of functions in terms of, of make it kind of selling the setting to you. Um, and the, the only frustrations I had with it were um, trying to figure out where it wanted me to go a couple times. Uh, not all the puzzles I thought played pretty fair. They do get a little repetitive periodically because there's only so many things you can do with you know the sort sort of the setting and, and interacting with various screens. Um, there's a couple of them, like especially closer to the end of the game, where I'm like, "Oh, you're gonna make me do this like three times? Like really? Like that's that's a lot for you know making me set like coordinate like eight coordinates and then hold a thing for a certain amount of time." Also, if you guys are wondering if your stream is bugging out, no, that that's the game. Um, as no, Matt said earlier, you're viewing stuff through the security cameras. Yeah, your your cameras are. It's a very damaged space station. Um, so you're, everything's pretty pretty jumpy and hazy, and I mean, there's also kind of there's also a uh, a dreamlike and surreal element to it that so like that that ties into it, um, but uh, which I that's, yeah can't really say too much more about that. So for twenty five bucks, do you recommend people buy this? Um, I would say if if kind of the space mystery cosmic awakening weird supercomputer <laughs> did you go crazy thing appeals to you like if you, what you're looking at here appeals to you like if you're looking at this interface and you're like oh that looks neat you will find it neat okay. um but if you're like if you didn't think event horizon was cool you're probably not you're probably gonna think this is dumb like mm. just from a narrative point of view like you have to be willing to sort of accept um kind of the event horizon sort of ghost story in space idea um, because of how crazy it goes as you yeah. move forward, or, or be willing to, you know, kind of the the you, you, every it's like that. It's like having uh, Interstellar has that like it has that one crazy leap with the wormhole idea. Like right. you, you're going to have to accept a crazy leap at a certain point. So it is sci-fi. Yeah, but it's <laughs> but it's also it's also beyond that. It's also not just that. It's also horror. It's also slightly Lovecraftian in a way. Okay. Um, so it's not. I don't think you should say anymore. It's though. not hard sci-fi. I wouldn't call it hard sci-fi outside of the kind of the interface jumping from camera to camera stuff, which is honestly not that big a part, a part of, of it. it like yeah. if if you're expecting this to be like Five Nights at Freddy's in space, it's not that. Yeah. It's this not. is what we're showing you, by the way, is the first twenty minutes of the game. So you're yeah. seeing basically a cut of the highlights of the first twenty or thirty minutes. Yeah. It is pretty good at like getting you settled in a certain way of things are working a certain way and then instantly and then immediately pulling you out of it and putting you somewhere else and letting making you figure out how to do another thing um so i would it definitely doesn't it doesn't stop like keeping it fresh um which is a thing that a lot of adventure games have trouble with so i, I give it props for that 
Um, and it is also impressive how small the team is because at the end the credits roll and they're over in like three minutes. <laughs> and, like, and like most of it is like Devolver Digital people, right. you know, because yeah. they're the publisher. The corporate guys, yeah. Um, so it's, it's again, it's a, it's a small team that made something pretty cool. Uh, and, you know, it doesn't feel like, like a budget game. It doesn't feel like something that um, was made by a few people in a basement or something. It's not on the level of Plague Tales, like AAA like production values. But um, I, I thought it was cool. I, I, I didn't, I didn't, I will not say I didn't ever get frustrated with it just because of how vague some of the things are. And there is a certain point where I, even they must have figured it out because at a certain point there's one section where they start giving you waypoints uh, and they never do it before <laughs> that and they never do it again. But a certain, suddenly there's waypoint. I'm like, oh, you couldn't One of their five testers yeah, You couldn't like, figure Look. out a way to communicate that that everyone could agree on. So we just said, all right, we'll just put arrows in, our, you know, in there. Um, yeah, anyway, I so that's it. observation, 25 bucks. What yeah. is it for every platform? Uh, just PC and PS4 right now. Okay, but I'm guessing Switch and Xbox One will come eventually. I would, I would think that that would be in the cards. And then by so. then the price will probably have dropped as well. It yeah, make it a little more appealing. I mean, it's. It, it, I would say the least it's something to keep on your radar for a sale later on. Uh, if, if what you're looking at there appeals to you, um, I wish I had kind of more in depth to talk about it. But to do that, I'd have to give away more about it, and yep. that's sort of the point. So yeah. point of the game is to discover that. So I'm not going to do that. Okay, let's move on. We're going to talk next about. Gaming addiction. Mm -hmm. Are you a game addict, Matt? No. You're not? No. Do you think gaming addiction is real? Yes. And you don't think you're a game you're a game addict? No. Why? Because if I had to, I could just stop playing them tomorrow and be fine with that. Do you think you could? I mean, I wouldn't be happy about it because I enjoy it, but I'm not addicted to it. I don't do other. I don't play them to the exclusion of other activities or basic life habits like this not uh, the reason we're discussing this <clears throat> is because this week the WHO the World Health Organization has decided to make gaming addiction an official diagnosis mm-hmm. uh, it's not supposed to take effect until 2020 um, is it 2020 or 2022 2022 yeah. sorry Good catch there. Um, and the big deal of why they're making of making it an official diagnosis is that that's considered if you have gaming addiction, that would be considered a condition, a disease, <laughs> a disorder. And once you've been sort of flagged with one of those, that has implications in a lot of other parts of life. If you want to, probably the most recent topic that you could relate to is a pre-existing condition. This is something people have talked about a lot. If you well, end up... only in America. Right, right. Pre-existing well, condition is only a thing in America where insurance determines whether you die or not. No, you're right. It's true. But that's a, it's a big part of healthcare in America. And so, yeah, but the World Health Organization probably isn't taking that tremendously into account because it's Because not... it's the World Health right. Organization. But it can have huge ramifications here in the U.S. if we, ne- if we fail to get our healthcare system in order, which is probably very which likely. Which we won't. Which yeah. we won't. So this is something that we should be concerned about. So let's say that, and look, we have a lot of older players uh, on Sifted, and our audience is mostly older folks. It's not a bunch of the preteen gamers. But let's say you are a 13 or 14-year-old gamer, and your mom or your dad gets pissed off at you and because they think you're spending too much time playing games and you're not spending enough time doing homework or whatever else they want you to do. 
Well, they could take you to a psychologist or a psychiatrist and they could diagnose you with gaming addiction, which is something that stays in your health record for the rest of your life, which then becomes a pre-existing condition, which can make it difficult to get health insurance or can make it more expensive to get health insurance. So God help you if you need treatment for carpal tunnel later. Then seriously. I mean, you're right, though. I mean, that is the kind of thing that insurance companies like to screw you over. Well, on. yeah, they'd be like, you had a pre-existing condition of gaming addiction. Now you have carpal tunnel because of your gaming addiction. So we're not going to cover your, your health care, your treatments for your carpal tunnel. This is all real, people. This may I know for some of you, this may sound like crazy stuff. But this is real. This is reality. This is how it works. Well, so, here. Here. Sort of yeah, right. For, for the and, European and, viewers, yes, it really is this stupid. It really is this stupid. That's what it's like with healthcare in America right now. It's that bad. So the, the WHO declaring gaming addiction an official diagnosis for people in America is a pretty big freaking deal. And so when I heard this news, I started wondering to myself, am I a gaming addict? And you seem to be pretty confident that you're not. I am not that confident that I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. I'm just being honest. Like, I really think that I might be addicted to video games. But I don't play games. I think about playing games. Um, I do sometimes sacrifice doing other things to play video games instead. Um, I mean, I will do that if, like, a game I'm really looking forward to comes out that day. Yeah, like, I've had conversations with my wife where she's like, hey, so-and-so wants to go out to dinner mm. tonight. Do you want to go? And I'm like, no. I, wa I want to play this video game instead. Is that gaming addiction? I don't think I've ever done that. I have. I've done it more than once. I will almost always pick going out with people over games. I don't always do that. <laughs> I'm more often than not I will. If it's something, if it's somebody I really want to see and something I really want to do, I will go. Mm -hmm. If it's something I really don't want to do but would be okay doing it, I tend to use gaming as an excuse to not do it. I Honestly, the thing that I use an excuse to not do something like that is it, how long will it take me to get there in traffic? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's way more important to me than whether I'm playing a game when I'm not going or not. Yeah. So let me just tell you what the WHO determines as gaming addiction. This is verbatim from what it wrote. Mm -hmm. A pattern of persistent or recurrent gaming behavior, digital gaming or video gaming, which may be online. What's the difference between those two things? What? What's the difference between digital gaming and video gaming? Uh, maybe they're maybe they're trying to draw a line between mobile gaming and console uh, maybe, gaming. They yeah. just don't know how to state it. I don't know. Um, those with gaming disorder may show quote unquote impaired control over gaming, increasing priority given to gaming to the extent that gaming takes precedent over other life interests and daily activities. Mm. And continuation or escalation of gaming despite the occurrence of negative consequences. So, if my wife were to come back from that dinner and rail me over it and tell me how much she hates me over it, and then I did it again later, that would be another warning sign of gaming disorder, gaming mm -hmm. addiction disorder. So, reading that... Pretty similar to pretty much any addiction, addiction disorder, yeah. really. Making a I mean, sacrifice... That's, that's... Very similar to the uh, how you diagnose gambling disorder. It is, yeah. Making a sacrifice in normal life to do something else that mm -hmm. the average person would say should be the lower priority. Mm -hmm. I guess that's how you would loosely define addiction. Yeah. Like my difference there is like in the sense like if if a game that just came out that I really want to play and I and may, more importantly maybe that I really want to play and has played a little bit and realize I really like it and I'd rather do that than whatever this thing I was going to do is so I might I might I might consider that but like the problem would come where like I'm playing a game that I don't even like very much 
and I decided to keep playing that instead of going out and going to dinner with people. Like, like I don't think I've ever done that. Like, sometimes I'll play games I, I'm not super enthralled with just to have, like, something to pass the time. Um, but I would never choose those, kind of, that game over, like, another social activity. Or, well, another thing or like, eating. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, something I like mean, that. I mean, yeah, I don't do that. But, like, another thing that I've noticed is, like, with... With gaming for me, it's it's not. I'm like you. Like I, I feel like well, if they took it away, like I would survive. But I've also found that like if I am not playing games, I am bored. Hmm. Like I haven't been bored in forever. But if <laughs> but seriously, because yeah. all I do is play freaking video games. And like if I finish a game and I don't see kind of the next one on the horizon and when I might start playing it, like. I play games like like I just I told mm. you I've been playing Black Ops 4. It's a slow month. I'm gonna play games, and mm. it's not like before I started playing Black Ops 4, I was like, hey, there's this new content that I want to check out or I need to check out. I just wanted to play a game. I've played already played Black Ops 4 for dozens and dozens and dozens of hours. There I was, and so I'm you know I'm looking inside myself a little bit here, mm. and I'm really wondering like, am I a gaming addict? Maybe. I mean, I, I mean, there have been times, there are regularly times where I suddenly go like, oh, I haven't played a game in like two days. I should, I should play something. Yeah. Um, Why do you think you're saying that to yourself? Because I enjoy them. I'm like, Just because oh, you enjoy cause Usually it's like when it's like, oh, I got nothing to do for a while. What should I do? Oh, I haven't played a game in like two days. I should play a game. So I play a game. I, I can't um, remember the last time I went two days without playing a video game other than going home for the holidays. It doesn't, it's not that uncommon for me, I don't think. I mean, like, like I didn't play anything... Saturday or Sunday this weekend and that mostly because I was doing stuff and then Monday I sat down and played uh, Plague Tale and Observation like most of the day and evening because I knew we were going to need something (laughs) for this this episode and we did Um, and to be fair like if we if I didn't have this hosting co-host gig on this show i probably would not have played both of those games as much as i did yesterday right, right. because i wouldn't have needed to and that's the hard part for speak us cogently about them and that's the hard part for us to kind of sort through our lives in that way is that you know we do have to do it yeah most I mean, people in society do not ever have to play right. i mean i'm not gonna lie there's there's times when i've been like man like one day if game face ends i'll have time to read all these books <laughs> you, know, like, you know like it's it's uh you know there's, there's things that aren't games that i look forward to that have nothing to do with games yeah. but i still keep abreast of stuff in games because i know i gotta talk about it semi-coherently once yeah. a week and don't get me wrong there are it's, there are times in my life where i do not want to play games mm-hmm. and because it is my job i have to play them we're going to talk about a game next <laughs> That was absolutely a case of, I have to do this because it's my job, not mm-hmm. because I wanted to. So it's not like I have to be playing games 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Just because you're a drug addict doesn't mean you like every drug. No, you're right. No, you're right. And so I am wondering if maybe I am a gaming addict. Do you think it's real? Do you think gaming addiction is a real thing? I think as much as any kind of addiction is. You can be addicted to whatever. I mean, partly... But some of them are chemical addictions. Oh, yeah. But like... Chemi- your body physically like needs it oh, right. instead but, of like a mental but addiction. your brain is chemicals yeah like it's the same thing every time you play a video game you're getting that little dopamine button pressed over and over and over again and you get addicted to that reward behavior it's the same thing with slot machines or um like you said uh baseball cards 
or that you know that anticipation and that yeah. like reward yeah. um it can be anything like you know there, there's tons of stuff like that i mean the question kind of becomes like is gaming a prevalent enough tr- uh, you know element of that that you need to have a definition that include that you know calls it out specifically um i would say at this point probably um, I mean, I think it's just a, a permutation of like what would also be considered gambling addiction or sex addiction or that kind of thing. Um, I, I think it's interesting in the sense that, you know, I, I know a lot of parents were of the age that we have a lot of our friends are parents and like almost to a man or to a woman, they complain about how long their kids want to be on Fortnite. Yeah. Um, I've certainly the other thing about that's interesting about kind of the addiction definition is over the years I've known several people that did end up having problems with games and the thing that I've noticed at least anecdotally in my personal experience with people is the addiction problem although it's not like we ever sent them to an actual psychiatrist I mean a couple of them were diagnosed with like an addictive personality but it was always a a specific game it wasn't just games. Yeah, it was, like was one Warcraft game. It was World or... of Warcraft. It was EverQuest. It was right. Fantasy Star Online. It was League of Legends. It was Overwatch. It was something that like they su- got sucked them in. Final just... Fantasy XI. I remember yeah. one person just had a problem with that game. Um, but a, so a and then related to that, note what all those games are. They're social Animals, interactions. Yeah. Like, it wasn't just that they were addicted to the games. They were addicted to the people they played the games with. It, yeah. They formed this little social group, and that was what they came back for every well, it's time. it's just like the drug addict who finds other right. people to do drugs with. Right. Like, it's the but same like that's, thing. But that makes it harder to pull away from. Yeah. And so it's interesting to me that that, uh, that, that addiction definition does not include sort of the sociological yeah, element. Yeah, a good point. Because I yeah. find in my, again... Per, you know, one person anecdotal experience everyone i've known who has had a problem with games that kind of fed into ruining their life in some way it was always an online game that had social interaction as a key element of it it was not just that they were addicted to playing this video experience it was that they were addicted to the, the social high they yeah. got from this the the friends quote unquote friends they made yeah, doing that yeah. um it was it was that whole thing and um, and in the end, at least certainly the Final Fantasy XI person and uh, the EverQuest person, losing contact with those people was the hardest part of hmm. getting better from it. Interesting. So I would be interested to see kind of the if there's more nuance to how an individual physician or maybe an individual medical proce- you know like pr- you know profession would approach you know dealing with this. But like I understand sort of the fear of using it as a sledgehammer. To just sort of stamp out whatever we don't, we, Johnny keeps playing the thing and we don't understand it. You know? Yeah. You know, and certainly you're going to run into, you know, it is kind of ten, you know, tangentially related to the loot box legislation thing because, you know, what's going to motivate parents to kind of do that faster than not only has he played this game all the time, but he started stealing my credit card to like right. buy stuff in it. Like that's a pretty good indicator too, you yeah, know, yeah, frankly. Well, stealing from family, anyone. Yeah. yeah, that's a good sign of it as well. You're right. Do you, but let's be honest though. If you and I were to go to a psychiatrist or a psychologist and they were trying to figure out if we were game addicts and we were honest with them about how much we play video games, do you mm-hmm. think that they would diagnose us as gaming addicts? Not on that alone, no, because the time spent is not the only factor. 
you it's not have, the only fact, but you we're, have to we're be, on the extreme side. Yeah, of the but time you have factor. to be doing it to the exclusion, and you know, um, couldn't you argue though that if you do anything that much, that just organically you're excluding something maybe, else? But, but like, you're that's not the point though. Like that's that's just like a weird semantic side of side question. Like it, I, I, I'm, 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 I lost the word there, but like it has to be to the exclusion of other things and to the detriment. Of thing like you you have to be kind of ruining your life over it you know and i don't think our lives are in tatters in the way that someone who's addicted to something would be and maybe do you think that might be because the people in our lives are almost enablers not necessarily no i don't think so i, th I mean i think the 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 x factor is as you've already pointed out the fact that we've done it for a career for two decades at this yeah. point um, the question, I mean, the real question would be, I would say, do you go and get a job? You go and get, I mean, I have, I do have jobs have nothing to do with video games and I get them done just fine and everything's okay. I think the, the, for you, the, the, the big litmus test would probably be is if you went and got a job post sifted and it was not game related, uh, maybe nerd related, but not game related. Yeah. And you still played games to the to the point that you didn't get enough sleep and you were sleeping at work and you had, you know, you maybe called in sick to play stuff because you didn't want to, like, not play stuff and you'd rather do that. I mean, who wouldn't rather play video games and go to work? Right. But, like, <laughs> but like but you know what I'm saying. It's, no, it's like you couldn't yeah. live a normal life outside of the game industry yeah. um, because you were so... And I don't think you would do that. I, you don't... You, I, I, what I know enough about you is, like, you know, once you didn't have to be that immersed in it, I don't think you would be yeah. because you have other interests. I hope. <laughs> but honestly, like the last couple of days, okay, I've been seriously this? thinking about it. Play play the, the new hot game you're interested in. Watch the Penguins play in the Stanley Cup. You asked me which I would rather which do? Would you, which would you prefer to do? Oh, ugh, I don't know. I, I thought you picked the Penguins. I really, I really. I mean, it's it. a tough decision. I mean, if you're talking about like the one game every year I look forward to the most, mm -hmm. or watching one of the seven games of the Cup Finals, I mean, I've been here on this show instead of watching the Penguins play. The, the Penguins won the Cup. Well, right. But, while we were recording this well, right, show but, one year, but, that, but, but that's an income <laughs> issue as well. But I mean, you know, no, that shows though that like I was willing to work instead of doing something I would have rather done. Right. Well, so I can tell you right so now. So clearly you're rather... not addicted to hockey. <laughs> I guess. I... Well, because you, you prioritize your business right. over yeah. watching a game. Yeah. But um, video games that but a video game. But it's, 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 say, I'm saying like, you know, you don't have sifted anymore. You're just, you're just, right. you're a civilian. I'm just working on some website somewhere. Yeah, you're, yeah. Work, yeah, you're working on whatever bullshit we all work on. And, and uh, but this game came out, you really want to play, but it's, it's came out the same time as the, the, the last game of the, of the Stanley Cup and your Penguins are playing. Yeah, it's not really a fair comparison though, because I can play the game anytime I want. Yeah, but I don't think an, an addict would see it that way. Yeah, maybe you're right. Yeah, I mean, I'm sh obviously there's also a spectrum. It's like you can be kind of addicted. You can, you can have a problem and not be like, you know, you can only lose half of your life savings, right. or I mean, you can lose all your life savings. I mean, there's a difference between like <laughs> if you're a gambling, you addict, can be addicted yeah. to cigarettes, or you can be half unconscious in a in a heroin den, right? Somewhere, you know, right. There's, there's, yeah. There's there's degrees. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> like, and every, I mean, probably everyone's probably addicted to some degree in, in some clinical sense to whatever they really enjoy doing. I mean, I, mean, I, I could probably argue that I'm addicted I th I to think, League of Legends. Yeah, I mean, I, I think a psychiatrist would raise a much bigger eyebrow at the size of my toy robot collection. Really? In terms of mo monetary cost, yes. Oh, uh, okay. 
Like, I spend a lot more money on plastic robots from China. You want to talk about tariff problems. Um, <laughs> plastic robots from China uh, than I do on video games, yeah. for sure. Not as much time, uh, uh, just because of how long things take to, you know, transform and put on a shelf or put stickers on versus beating a 70-hour RPG. But um, that would probably be the, the, the thing that, like, people are like, wow, you prioritize that? That's weird, you know, but uh, I don't care because I like robots. So it sounds like we both agree that gaming addiction is real. I would think so. I mean, it, if any kind of addiction is real, that's an addiction that's real. I've seen it. I've seen it. I mean, just because the World Health Organization just caught up right. doesn't mean that it hasn't already been a thing. It's been happening. It's, you know, they discovered Pluto in 1930, but the planet, the, the, it was already there. Right. It's yeah. been there the whole time. You know? Good analogy. So we both agree that gaming addiction is real. I think I might be a gaming addict, but you think you're definitely not. I don't think so. I mean, maybe I have been at times. Uh, there have certainly been ups and downs in my life in terms of that. But, like, I think right now I'm like, not really. You know what the poll of the week I mean, in fact, there's been. a lot of times where I come on this show and I'm like, I don't know if I've played enough of this game to talk about it yet. Yeah. And I feel like an addict wouldn't have a problem with that. <laughs> the poll of the week this week should have been, do you consider yourself a gaming addict? Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, well, now, well, also, now that it's going to be an official thing in 2022, if you do that, you're just self-diagnosing, and that's just amateur bullshit. Yeah, <laughs> you go to WebMD for that. Yeah. But then we start talking about the stuff we were talking about before, the implications of being labeled as a, as a gaming addict and what that could come with on down the road, because mm-hmm. I think pre-existing conditions is going to probably be a thing until you and I are gone, unfortunately. I mean, the, esti- what the estimate is- for revolutionizing the healthcare system, even like in an optimal path with no obstruction from people who think you should basically go into crushing debt if you have anything wrong with you. Um, you're talking about 20 years. Yeah. You're talking about 20 years to re- re- renovate the system and make a transition into like a universal yeah, system. Yeah, so it's going to be a thing. It, it's it's going to be a long, long time, if ever. I mean, what I've, what I've actually discovered with pre-existing conditions is, like, I just don't go to the doctor. Like, if I go for yeah, my checkup every year. But if I feel like I'm sick or like my elbow, like I just don't go because you don't want to have that on your medical record that you have a condition because it could screw you for like the rest of your life. It's so messed up what we're dealing with here. I would definitely never go to a psychiatrist or a psychologist to be looked at for gaming addiction because I I have a feeling like, like I understand what you're saying, but I think if we really went to someone like that and I said, and they said, okay, how many hours a week do you play video games? And I was honest with them and actually told them and was like, 50? Hmm. I don't think they would care about anything else. I think they would be like, oh, you're, you're a gaming addict. Because there's no way, even though it's your job, there's no way you can spend that much time doing that and not sacrifice something else in your life that's probably more important. No, but I mean, I don't know. Like, you're you're still a functional human being. Well, yeah. Point. I mean, it's not like I'm some you're, psycho or no, anything. But you're, but... Ta- but you're talking about kids that never come out of their rooms. You're talking about, you know, Twitch streamers that stream 12 hours a day, six days a week, and, like, things like that. Like that you're, you, I mean... I, I mean, I'm kind of doing that, but I'm just not on camera while I'm doing it. I guess, it. but, like, I don't know, like... I think I think any worthwhile psychiatrist would basically say like we ha- we would have to separate you from your, your job, co- your job before we to see decide. how you behave in in a you know more normal situation. You know, you, I, I don't think you can gauge it that way because you even if it's just because you always have the excuse to fall back right. on. Right. Um, and also, I think in that in that situation, the psychiatrist would absolutely talk to your wife. Oh yeah. So I wonder what my wife would say. 
That would be the real interest. <laughs> I have no idea what <laughs> to she be would a say. fly on the wall for that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyway, we don't usually do a call for a uh, call to action for the comments on Game Face, but this is one case where I really want you guys. Uh, to go into the comments of this show and share your perspective on this because I think this is one of those things where, like Matt said, it's different for everyone. And I think the more perspectives you get on a topic like this, the better you can kind of figure out things for yourself. So I'm interested to hear you guys. Be honest. We're all pretty much a family on Sifted at this point. Um, so be honest and let us know if you think you're an addict. If so, why? Um, Although you might want to check with a lawyer first. Well, <laughs> hopefully you're using an alias on Sifted. I'll put it to you that way. Also, put this to put it to you this you're way. You're not. We're not. I'm not. We're, we're not collecting. <laughs> you're on camera saying it yeah, now. Yeah, They got you. We're not collecting your data on Sifted either. So don't sweat it. We won't have all that stuff for somebody to subpoena five years from now or whatever. But anyway, I'm just interested in hearing everyone else's perspective. I just shared with you. But everybody, write down episode 170 for when <laughs> for when when you for, want to blackmail for me. When the pre-existing condition investigation comes for him. <laughs> I'm calling Kaiser Permanente <laughs> unless you give the new Zelda a perfect 10. <laughs> Kaiser will kill you. Like they'll, they'll come for you in the night. Yep. All right, let's move on. We've talked about a couple good indie games this week, and we're about to talk about, in my opinion, a really bad one, and that is Pathologic 2. A game so bad... That it's not a sequel, but it still has a number two. What is it? <laughs> it's, a, it's a remake of the first Pathologic. Mm. I don't think a lot of people realize this, but it is. I can't imagine why they wouldn't realize that. Yeah. So, for so as you are... Has that ever happened before? What? A remake with the... Given like it like a remake of something called the sequel to something? No. Don't think so. I think this has flown over a lot of people's heads, too, that this is actually just a remake of the first That's one. weird. Um... It is weird to call you, but look, if you're a developer making a small game and you don't have the resources yeah. to make a full-on sequel. Now, this looks more like what I thought a Plague Tale would look like. Right. <laughs> this game, in my opinion, Ooh, so is abysmal. This is one of, I, when I walked in today, I told Matt. Evil Dead 2, that's a good call. Good call, Justin Horman. Evil Dead 2 is a remake of Evil Dead 1. That's right, but a very but better. bad. Better? Evil Dead 2 is better than Evil Dead No Horman's. way. It was all campy and corny. I like the, the straight horror of the first one better. Anyway, so this is, the developers describe this game as an open world survival horror game. And you hear that and you're like, oh my gosh, I don't think I've ever heard of anything like that before. I like open world games and I love survival horror games. This is a game made for me. Yeah, I hear that, and I just go, uh-oh. Uh-oh. And, and then you play it for five minutes, and that's what you'll say is, uh-oh. So, first of all, I know there are some people out there that love the first path a lot. They love this studio. The studio, this is its third game now, although really two and a half, I guess, because this is just a, a rework of the first one. But there are people who absolutely love Pathologic, the first game. And the first game had a lot of the same problems this one has that I'm about to shred it for. So, look, if you're a fan of Pathologic, fine. I respect that. I'm glad you found something that you love, but you are batshit crazy. Hmm. This game is terrible. So, they say survival horror. There is a lot of survival, and the horror comes from actually having to play it. I, so, people know I'm not a big survival guy. So when they said survival horror, to me that denotes that it's a little bit more of an action-oriented take on the survival game. 
Yeah, survival horror implies to me a limited inventory and a resource management sort of mentality. Uh, whereas this seems to be like, it is a horror game that is a survival game. Right. Yeah, that's... I think survival... <laughs> that's, that's exactly... I think survival horror means a specific thing that this is not that. This is not that at all. So here's, here's the uh, combat in the game. Wow. Yeah. A really awkward hand-to-hand. There's some stabby stuff, too, as well, but it's all just really janky and handled poorly. Of course, if you talk to a fan of this franchise, they'll say, oh... beat up by orphans, or what? Like, what's yeah. Going <laughs> well, children children are a big part. Let me, let, me, let me take it back to the beginning. Let me t- give you the setup, the story behind this game. So, Pathologic is an open-world survival horror game where you play as a doctor who is returning back to his hometown after being away for six or seven years. You essentially been summoned by your father who tells you that there's an outbreak hitting the town and he wants you to come back to help him combat the outbreak. What's you, with the Ninja Turtle? Yeah, well, <laughs> so you get on the train, you ride back to your hometown. As soon as you get off the train, this weird kind of cutscene happens where you don't really know what happens at all. Like, it cuts to this scene of these three dudes standing there with swords and then it cuts away. And then it cuts to a conversation where people are accusing you of murdering three people. So the, the game it assumes that things happen that it doesn't show you, I guess, is the best way to put it. Because in all honesty, I think that they just didn't have the budget or the talent to create cutscenes. Mm. So they show a scene of these three dudes standing outside a boxcar. And next thing you know, you're being accused of murdering three people. So as soon as you get to the town everything's like a little funky because people think you may or may not be a murderer. On the flip side of that, your dad had been murdered the day before. So, the, yeah, exactly. Sam's like laughing. So you're, the objective of the game is to find out what happened to your dad and to try and stop the plague that's, that's cursed this area while keeping from dying yourself. That's pretty much the objective. Um, that amounts to walking very slowly around this very drab environment, being accosted, interacted with very drab, boring people. Um, some of the more, I guess, mysterious stuff, like you saw earlier, there's like, like the gigantic ox was standing there, and there's mm-hmm. these creatures that wear like the, the weird masks with the long beaks on them. Those people are basically you're just your tutorial. They teach you like the ropes of the game. And you need those people because there is so much to keep track of in this game. Um, here's the meters that you have that you have to keep track of in, in this game. There is infection, stamina, hunger, thirst, health, exhaustion, and immunity. How many is that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven meters you have to keep track of in this game. Mm. And the kicker is, so you saw the combat. It's this really janky, like, fisticuff stuff. You're basically just smashing buttons and praying. Well, the problem is, is that when you die, you go to this purgatory-type area, which is actually just a stage, which is really freaking weird. The whole game is freaking weird. And the, the person on stage with you curses you. So he basically makes it harder when you go back out into the world. So he'll curse you and say, oh, well... Now your thirst will dwindle more quickly, or now your hunger will dwindle, dwindle more quickly. So you're basically punished for failure that makes you more likely to fail. And I got about seven hours into this game, and I failed. Like, mm. I basically had to restart the game over. 
And at that point, I had no more interest in playing this game. I have no idea how long it is. It's supposed to be 12 days long, and I got to like the eighth day. So I think I was kind of close to the end, but I, I had already dragged my ass for about three or four hours at that point. The, the game is archaic. The menus, are, everything about it is opaque and hard to understand and hard to comprehend how it's supposed to work. Even dragging and dropping stuff from the menus has like weird quirks about it. Like, I don't know. This, I, like I said, this is one of the worst video games I've played in the last 20 years. And a lot of that has been, I've been in a fortunate place where I haven't had to play a lot of bad games because I was the person assigning stuff. But I assigned myself this and I really, really regret it. And I, and I only started playing it because of all the hype around the first game and how this kind of cult had built around it. Anytime something like that emerges in games, I feel like it's my job, honestly, to check it out and to understand why a big portion or even a small portion of our constituents would be interested in something like this. So I don't want to completely slag the game. The atmosphere is good. The writing and story is pretty good. And it was enough to get me past like all the other god awful parts of the game, but everything else is just a complete and utter disaster. Like hmm. there's like the game, and maybe this part of it is that I was playing review code and not like the final retail version. But like there's no opening cutscene. Like the game starts, and you're just standing on that stage I was talking about earlier, and you get like a speech, and then you leave the stage, and you're like, wait, what is going on? Where am I? Who am I? Like it's in it's. It's bewildering. It's not bewildering that the game would be this bad. It's bewildering that a large enough group of people would be willing to overlook such grievous problems in the sake of story and atmosphere. Um, it, look, if you're a survival game masochist, you have just found your god. This game is mean-spirited, um, clunky, slow, awkward, confusing. I, I could go on. Um, I do not recommend this game to anyone. No one. And unless I said, like, you're a masochist who loves survival games, because you'll definitely get your pain out of this one. Um, again, atmosphere, story, writing, really good, but everything else about it was a complete mess. So there you go. Pathologic 2. I do not Which recommend that you buy also it. Also, Pathologic 1. Yeah. And also, you can get Pathologic 1 right now for like $2. What does it look like if this looks like that? Pretty similar, honestly. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's, it's like they didn't upgrade their presentation values really at all for this. Hmm. Um, I honestly don't know what they did. I never played the first one. So I don't know what they did to upgrade this in any way, shape, or form. But if this is an upgrade over the first one, I can't believe anybody played the first one. I really can't. It's definitely. I definitely have a couple friends who are playing this and loved the original. I've never played Pathologic. Um, in fact, one guy is such so into it that it was a running gag for a while to continually jump into the Discord and tell him that they're remaking it. Uh, like, like because everyone. <laughs> it, it was the one thing everybody knew that he liked, so everybody just kept telling him. So for months, everybody every time anyone would enter the room, it's like, "Hey, did you hear they're making remaking Pathologic?" And like, <laughs> he's like, yeah, yes, yes, I'm yes. aware. And look, there's other weird, goofy stuff about it, like just the way people like give you like it's impossible to satiate your hunger, impossible. But eventually, you start to figure out like little things that you just kind of accidentally stumble upon, like. Uh, like, the, we were talking earlier about the kids. Well, there's these, like, gangs of kids that roam around the town. And they're actually very helpful in, in general. 
As gangs of kids tend to be. Well, no, because be. they will go out, like, they're like a bartering partner. So you can give them stuff, and they'll give you stuff in return. That oh, it's you, like newsies. That you can't find. Yeah, they are a little bit, actually. <laughs> actually, that's a pretty good uh, comparison. But you eventually, like, I just accidentally discovered that if I gave them a pair of scissors, they give me food. Why? I don't know, but it, it worked. And so then I was just on a quest to find every pair of scissors I could find <laughs> in the world. That's the type of game it is. Like, it doesn't tell you, hey, these kids like scissors. Give them scissors and they'll give you food. I just accidentally tried to trade scissors with them, and they're like, oh, here's some food. And I was like, hallelujah, I got some freaking food. Still died. Still wasn't enough. Um, it is just, it's like a cat chasing nine, seven tails at once. It's like you're always just trying to keep up with everything, and you're never given enough ways and resources to do it. It's just an eternal struggle that, for me, ended in complete and utter failure <laughs> and from my perspective that's exactly what i would call pathologic to a complete and utter failure kind of more interested now play it i, I want to find somebody who likes this game and talk to them to see what it is about it that makes them enjoy it because i did not i don't know if i enjoyed a single moment of this game. This at least looks better than Big Rigs over the road racing. Yeah, it's not as broken. I don't know. It might be as broken as Big Rigs. <laughs> I mean, Big Rigs didn't even have clipping in it. Yeah, yeah. you could just drive through anything in that game. No, there is collision detection and stuff like that for the most part. I mean, but it is that bad. Like, that's what I'm getting mm -hmm. at. Like, it is on that level of bad. So, there you go. Pathologic 2, I will never talk about it or think about it ever Again. I don't know. We got, we got most... Well, Great finishing shot there, too, with the X. I guess we don't really have a worst game at the end of the year. We have most disappointing game. Yeah. And that definitely would not fall into that category, because I didn't expect that much from it. <laughs> or and turkey. There's the turkey. I expected nothing from it, and I got even less. Hmm. <laughs> so there you go. All right. So our last topic for episode 170 is another E3 topic. Um... We've already gone through several publishers at this point, but the news just keeps kind of trickling in. And uh, some of the stuff we're going to tackle in this topic is stuff for games that we talked about last week or publishers that we talked about last week. Other stuff is stuff that's so small that we're probably not going to get to it next week either because next week, remember, we're going to have Microsoft, we're going to have Nintendo, some of the big boys. So this is kind of a catch-all topic for some of the stuff that's been going around mm -hmm. about E3. Uh, the first thing we're going to talk about is a new Darksiders game has been announced to be at the show. Uh, the rumors suggest it is a prequel. It's called Darksiders Genesis. So it's a prequel mm. to a game that's loosely based on Revelations. Well, about as loosely as... <laughs> Very you know, loosely. Yeah. I mean, my hope is that it's called Genesis because... In the wake of the ending of Darksiders 1, you basically would have to remake the world. So Genesis would be a nice ironic title to follow Apocalypse. Right. You know? Um, because I tell myself that because I just desperately want them to follow up on the end of Darksiders 1 and stop right. making sidequels as they have for But it, two wouldn't games this game straight. be the before Darksiders 1 even? What? It's a prequel. So wouldn't it's it be... It's not necessarily a prequel. We don't know what it is. Yeah, we don't, but... Genesis, I mean, Genesis could imply a prequel, but I'm hoping it's, um, you know, it, Genesis... It's really Genesis Darksiders 2. Yeah, I'm hoping Genesis is a reference to the idea that you would have to remake the world in the wake of having destroyed it in Darksiders 1. Um, but it also could refer to the idea that, you know, it could be telling the story of how 
um, the four Nephilim uh, rebelled against their own kind, joined the broke the charred council, and became the four horsemen back a thou- thousands and right. millions of years ago. Because um, they've told that story in in kind of cutscenes before, in like the intros to some of these games. But I mean, you never played. You never played. I mean, that yeah. could that could certainly be the basis of a game. It's just I'm getting tired of refusing to follow up on your damn cliffhanger for when did Darksiders <laughs> one come out? Like 2008. Yeah. It's been 11 years. Yeah. Finish the story, then tell the prequel. Fair enough. Even George Lucas knew that. Yep. Uh, next up, and both these games are from THQ Nordic, mind you, which by the way has. 50 games in development. 50. That's a lot. 5-0. And two of them. One is Darksiders uh, Genesis. The other is a Destroy All Humans remaster. I thought they already did that. No. It's, uh... They just re-released it on PlayStation 4. Yeah. But they're doing a remaster of that. All right. Yeah, all right. I mean, now they're plumbing the depths of, like, the THQ catalog. Like... I mean, remasters. I mean, I can understand why they did it because they're like, man, like all these remasters are selling like hotcakes, but those are remasters of games that people liked. Yeah, I mean, Destroy All Humans did okay. They made like three or four of them. Did they? But, like, I thought they just got to the second and that was there it. There were at least three. Were there? There were at least three, I think. I didn't like it ever. Um, I didn't that was play one of the games I, I just gave to someone else to review. I didn't play a lot of it. I did play the first one again when they put it out on like PS4 or whatever recently, like, like just the, you know, the PS2 collection or whatever. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it doesn't really hold up. It's just like, it's like, it's like I can tell it wasn't going to hold up back when it came out. Early open world stuff is just, it's sparse and weird and sort of empty and boring. Yeah. And, uh, like if you're going to remake this thing, like it would have to be a pretty ground, ground up remake uh i don't know what you're gonna do to make that game interesting to a modern audience that's played stuff like yeah, it would have to be a Red remake and not too, a remaster but, for yeah. sure yeah um but i mean it doesn't if it's just sort of paving the way for a new game in the franchise i could see that i mean it's not the worst choice in the world i guess but do we need another game in that franchise i wouldn't say so but if you're going to buy all this stuff up, I guess you're going to make more games out of them. I mean, God, they just released another Titan Titan Quest expansion. I never thought I'd see that. Like, they bought this, they bought it, they put out the Ragnarok expansion, and then they just put out an Atlantis expansion. I'm like, I've never seen anything <laughs> like that. But that game's, like, so old. Dude, like, THQ Nordic is, I don't know what it's, where's the money coming from? The dude who runs it is, like, super rich. He must be, like, a multi-billionaire. I think he is. Okay. I think, I think it's that something, makes something sense like that. Then. Yeah, it's it's I, I I looked into it a while ago. It was like it, basically this is like a pet project for him. It's ah, like, he's just a big fan. It's all starting to make sense. That I get. So I mean, the question of that is like, is it eventually hit the wall and just become so, you know? Because remember, Tech TV was the pet project of Paul Allen for a while, but then he decided he'd rather race yachts around the world. Right. Yeah. And we got sold. We did. In a heartbeat. And I don't too. know if there's any. There weren't even rumors like flying around. No, it just happened. <laughs> it's just we came to work one um, day and they're like. They sold Tech TV. But at least G4, you know, Comcast bought us. I don't know if you can go around and sell THQ again. I don't know who's going to pick that up. Yeah. Well, I mean, even the first time around, no one was picking up this stuff. I mean, he got this stuff for, like, pennies. Nothing, like, yeah. At auction. So, uh, next up, The Last of Us Part Two. Looks like big stuff coming in the next few days for that. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of smoke there. Yeah. It seems like I mean, a lot. There's yeah. been, like, three stories about it in the last, like, four days. Uh, somebody had asked Pac if he felt that 
Sony would still do stuff around E3, even if it's not at E3. He said no, but I think that's absolutely happening. You're getting pretty close. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, they originally said they weren't going to, but uh, maybe they changed their mind in the interim. It's, it's possible because it looks like we're going to get like an announcement for this in the next couple of days, which I'm guessing is going to be the release date. Yeah. And some Death Stranding stuff supposed and to be tomor- today or tomorrow? Death or? Stranding tomorrow, Wednesday. Yeah. yeah. Like, starting to make me wonder why you didn't just go to E3. I know. That's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> if you want to blow this stuff out, just go to the freaking show. It's like... Then again, maybe that's the point. Maybe that's the question. Like, They're like, we, why would we can go? Can we put this... Okay, look, we put this stuff out. We got all these eyeballs. We got all this attention. We got all this promotional stuff. We got written up in all the different, you know, media outlets. No and competition. we didn't spend $5 million to be on the floor of this damn show we don't care about anymore. Yeah. I guess you're right. It does kind of make the point, doesn't it? Yeah. Because it's not like we're going to cover it any less. In fact, we're probably going to cover it more. Right. Because right now we're talking thing. about it because there's not a bunch of stuff going on. So... Yeah. Mission and whether it's at E3 or not, the week of E3, so they put up, like, oh, Death Stranding? This is what it is. Here's an hour of gameplay. Like, yeah. are you not going to cover that shit? Yeah, of course you're going to cover, cover that shit. That's yeah. the most interesting thing you're going to see at that show or outside of that show right. because no one knows what it is and everyone wants to know what it is. And speaking of which, Death Stranding, Kojima has posted a couple trailers on Twitter over the last couple mm-hmm. days. Tomorrow... I don't know. It seems like we're going to find out what it is tomorrow. Maybe. Like, really, like, find out what it is. Yeah. The only thing left is Ghost of Tsushima. Sucker Punch has been active the last couple of days because it's been, like, a 10-year an- infamous anniversary. Um, who knows? You know, they're, they're next in line. It- I mean, it was also announced this week. Sony says all three of those games are, in their words, PS4 exclusive. Uh-huh. Take that for what it's worth, but it just said that this week. So, we'll see. But it looks like tomorrow, by the time a well, lot of you guys are watching this... it can't be PlayStation 5 exclusive. PlayStation 5 isn't a thing yet. Right. Yeah, there's probably some semantics that they're jumping I mean, right Last there. of Us 1 was a PlayStation 3 exclusive, too. I mean... Right. Yeah. No, you're right. They did say that. But by the time you're, a lot of you are watching this, because most people watch the archive of this and do not watch the live stream, a lot of you, by the time you're watching this, we may have, like, the first real chunk of Death Stranding gameplay on the site right now. We may have a genre. We may. We may. Or we may have a new genre. Or we may just be confused still. (laughs) It's possible. Uh, It's weird that there's been this, like, three-day promotion leading up to this. I have a feeling that we're finally going to at least have a good idea of what the game actually is. It's too late for someone to copy it. I don't want to hear any of that bullcrap from Kojima. (laughs) Uh, Next. Game that we talked about... Couple weeks ago, mm. George R. R. Martin working with From Software on a game appears to be legit. He definitely worked on something, uh, some game from Japan. Yep, said in an and interview, the idea of him working with Miyazaki on a From Software game is so random that you have to think that it's probably not made up. You know, well, you know yeah. What I, mean? I mean, when we first it's heard it, I think weird we said to be that. False. We're like, who would ever make this up? Like, it's like one of those things where you'd be like, okay, let's throw some like talented people in a hat. And then let's throw, like, video game developers in another hat, and let's just pull one of each, and well, let's see what like, the match is. Well, especially because Miyazaki has never really shown any inclination to want to make, like, a story-driven game nope. before. But no. here we are. Yeah, so. I mean, how you can't really make a game with George R.R. R. Martin and have it not be story-driven. Yeah, and I believe, Otherwise, what's the point? The rumor is, I believe, it's called Grand Rune or something. Great yeah, Rune or Great something Rune like that. Rune or something, yeah. Viking stuff. Norse. Norse has taken over Nor- gaming. Norse is Norse mythology is the new hotness. It's the new cyberpunk. 
Until Cyberpunk. Until E3 when we see Cyberpunk 2077 again, and then Cyberpunk's the new Cyberpunk. Yeah, until uh, Assassin's Creed Vikings comes out. Right. (laughs) Which is Norse mythology again. Yep, you're right. Uh, Let's see what else. Ubisoft today, a game leaked from Ubisoft. So we covered Ubisoft on Game Face last week for our E3 previews, Mm. and we mentioned that we felt that it would probably have some kind of a project, surprise project at its press conference for Switch. Mm. And we said, oh, maybe it's Star Fox, who knows, blah, blah, blah. Well, as it turns out, that game is a game called Roller Champions. And it is a roller derby game for Switch and Xbox One that is being compared to Rocket League. And this footage leaked out. It doesn't actually show any gameplay. It's just kind of like environmental pans. This shit's going to get flagged and, so hard. Oh, Ubisoft <laughs> has already been taking this stuff down, like, everywhere. Like, I was lucky to snag this footage before it was taken from the source where I got it. Uh, so it's legit. Like, what you can see is Ubisoft right on there. But when Ubisoft starts taking stuff down, that's when you know yeah. that it's legit. So what do you think about, <laughs> what do you think about this game? Uh, you think there's a market for a roller derby video game? I don't know. I not 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 for me. Like I could not <laughs> possibly care less about this. I mean, I will say this: roller is derby is different. Yeah, I mean, you're right. And I will say, roller derby is kind of going through a weird resurgence. Like, I have three girlfriends, not girlfriends, but g- female friends who are playing roller derby right now on yeah. Facebook alone. Three friends on Facebook alone doing roller derby right now. Yeah, I know some roller derby participants. So there's some it's, it's kind a of a here. thing going on right now. With, and th- no, these people live on the East Coast, by the way. Oh, it's here, it's here too. Like, yeah, oh, yeah. The people I know who do it are, are in L.A. But what, like, who would have thought that, you know, soccer with cars was a good mm-hmm. idea? So I think that's well, why people I assume people there's are... a twist on this. So yeah, it's not yeah, just I'm... plain old ro- right. roller derby. Right. I don't derby. think you're just racing around in circles for the whole time you play it. I but... watched some roller derby on some one of those like you know, on, on was it on the Ocho when they, <laughs> when ESPN three or whatever goes oh, weird right, for, on right. August eighth, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they show like lightsaber dueling yeah, and like all yeah. this ridiculous stuff. Yeah. But they had like two hours of roller derby. I didn't understand. I don't any understand of it. the like, rules. I'm like, wait, you're doing? She has to catch. Her, but I, I don't know. Like, yeah, I, I didn't understand it either. Cricket's easier to follow for me. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Pretty risky choice from Yubi. Yeah, but like so. That's what it does. You, you can't get away from the whole like. But also, soccer with cars doesn't make sense either. Right. So, but I, I think the fantastical element of Rocket League um, sells a little bit. But I assume yeah. and I don't know. Yubi's always got some weird thing up their sleeve. But it could just end up being another steep. Well, you know what? I mean, I think it's in the vein of Steep. I think it's one of those games yeah. that Ubi publishes. It doesn't count on selling like five million copies of it. It's kind of an experiment. If yeah. it catches on, cool. If not, they whatever. support it for like an absurd number of right. years after. <laughs> yeah. like, really, this is still going. Yeah, but never, they'll never get a sequel. Yeah. But there well, you never know. Stuff the, works. the crew happened to the crew. That's true. The crew still had like major expansions coming out like three years later. It was and it, I mean, it bombed right at launch. Too. Yeah, but they still got a sequel, and then that it sequel did. bombed. Yeah, and it, now it might finally be. Yeah, dead. that might. Yeah, but well, you know, they're still supporting the crap out of it too. Yeah, they are. But I mean, there's yeah, still I mean, stuff just, coming out. Hopefully, this one stays dead. But <laughs> roller derby, boy, that is that is really plumbing a niche right there. Yeah, I also wonder. Like roller challenge is a real generic title. Like that, like yeah. Yubi usually has a more more verve than that. That's that's an odd. It might be the whip title of it. Yeah, change it for final release, or maybe even change it before E3. But I also think we can guarantee 
that there's going to be people on roller skates at Ubisoft's press conference. Ah, yes. It Possibly will be, dancing. Pactor yep. will be very annoyed. <laughs> it will be the spectacle for yeah. their press conference this It year. will be the most French part yes. of the <laughs> Ubisoft press conference. That's a very good way to put it. Uh, and then the last thing we have to wrap... Oh, no. Fable 4. That's happening. That's a game. Yep. We don't know for sure if it's coming from Playground Games yet. That's been the rumor all along. Playground yeah, Games has said... Yeah, that's been the rumor for a long time. Well, that's because Playground Games said it's working on an open-world action right. RPG. And it's like, gee, what IP could that be? And then yesterday, or maybe it was today, Fable 4 appeared in Mixer's yeah. database, which, done deal. Yeah. So Fable 4 is coming. What do you want from Fable 4? Peter Molyneux to work on it? No. <laughs> I would like it to come out. Because um, uh, unlike the last one. Right. Which kind of um, came out because the developers well, it was a, it was a working it. beta, yeah. Yeah, it was weird. Um, basically, I mean, I've replayed all three of these in the last couple years just because they continually started like, hit, hit the Xbox One backwards compatibility thing. Yeah. And I do like them all. I don't love them, really. What I, was your favorite? Two. Replaying them. I two. like two the best. That's what I figured. Um... I've always felt the concept was better than the games. Yeah. Um, the idea is that's Peter Molyneux in a nutshell. Yeah. yeah well, it always sounds great. I mean, I think <laughs> black, black and White is the ultimate example. That was like, this game should be way better than it is. Yeah. Um, it, and it's, it's sad that my best memory of Black and White, which had all these weird, cool potential things in it, my favorite thing in that game was doing something like with like throwing a rock or doing something and having the giant cow god monster like point with its hoof yeah, and like yeah. look amazed <laughs> at what you just did like that was all i needed from that game over yeah. and over again um but uh i mean basically i'd like to see them you know really make it a more like engaged open world that's not quite so piecemeal because everything's sort of like chunks in the original game other games, uh, I would like to see them make it run smoothly because one of the most notable things about playing, especially two and three, were that they just they just felt chop chop mushy. chop. Yep. They felt like no, the combat, just, not just the combat chop, has chop, never like, been good in this franchise. No, like, it's, so, oh, I've always felt disconnected from the character. There's always. tremendous potential here. They just need to make it happen properly. I like everything but the combat. Mm -hmm. The art style in three started getting a little weird. But yeah. also a uh, very uh, pre super fame Michael Fassbender right, right there. That's a good point. As That's Lo funny. As Logan, <laughs> he's playing Logan, but later he would play Magneto. All right, yeah. interesting. The but to me, to me, the most important thing for them to fix is the combat. I'm not 100 percent certain that Playground Games is the company to do to do that. For those of you who don't know, Playground Games makes the Forza Horizon franchise. It's not an action game developer, although they did kind of let your characters get out of the cars a little bit. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, I think uh, I think reiterating on the Fable combat and turning it into something a little more responsive and a little snappier isn't really that crazy an ask. Of, <laughs> no, it's not at all. But of a, of a developer that you know, clearly there's a lot of talent at Playground. I mean, Lionhead so. was supposed to be talented, like. I mean, they were, but like they, <laughs> in some ways, they didn't quite get there uh, with a lot of this stuff. I mean, I think Fable 2's combat had a pretty good flow to it overall, but replaying them now is just like, well, it's it's you know, Fable, oddly, Fable 3 feels more underwater than Fable 2 did. 
uh, that might just, maybe it just chugs more on Xbox One. I don't know. I played it before they did that new update, but like makes it Xbox One X enhanced and yeah. stuff. So that might have just been some like you know yeah. emulator weirdness. Possible. But um, yeah, I don't know. I just in Fable Three is like again a lot of cool ideas like being king or whatever. But like then being king's over in like ten minutes and like. Like you think you have. Well, a, I mean, have... the objective of the game isn't really to be king; it's to keep your brother from becoming king. Well, your brother's already king. The whole point is to become king. No. Yeah. Your brother wants to ascend to the throne. Your brother is king. Right, but that's like that's how the game starts. He becomes king. He's been king for a long oh, time. Oh, I thought he would, his your father had just passed, and he was no, he's, just Logan's been king for a while and is a uh, tyrant. I haven't played it in and forever. You and he and he you get in trouble with him, and he either kills a bunch of people or kills your best friend, and then you escape with your butler and weapons trainer guy under the castle, and game and the whole two thirds of the game is like gathering. Uh, a revolutionary army to overthrow him. I mean, the the upgrade thing is called the road to rule, and then you become king, and then it turns out that why he's he's been horrible because he's preparing for this giant evil monster, you know, something Lovecraftian force invading, and you have to either save this much money to save this many people, and the idea is that like your decisions while you're king you have to break a bunch of promises to not spend all this money so that you can have enough money to make sure nobody dies. Uh, but the way I did it is I just ruthlessly invested in real estate, and so I had more money than I could possibly ever spend, and I just <laughs> spent all the money on everything. You need about 13 million gold to basically Buy save everyone, thing. but also keep all your promises and pay for all the exorbitant like public works projects. Um, so I did that this time around and got that achievement. But... Um, and it's, but yeah, like the you, you're told you have a year to to do this as a king, and it's really every time you have like a, a session where the people come up and give you their problems and you choose which which thing to go with, it jumps ahead like months. Like like you, you like at one point I think it goes from like day one thirty five to day zero. Like it's just boom, you're in, you're going, and if you don't have six million in the treasury, everybody dies. Like it's it's or, you know whatever you have short of that they die um so it was an interesting thing to play because i hadn't played it since it came out i haven't played it and, either since um, then. obviously i completely forgot the story so yeah it was a it was an interesting idea but like it never like paying off you being king they sort of punted on that yeah and then there's a whole post game where you can like do a bunch of stuff that you can only do after the game's kind of over that's kind of to me though that's not what fable is about though like it's I don't know. I never. Well, looked Fable's at Fable. concept was always supposed to be like being your own hero and right. kind of building this hero up and all this. And then like Fable Three felt like they just felt the need to expand it somehow. So like, oh, you can, you can be king. And also, it's sort of like you know, you hit this sort of industrial era setting of the of the world where like you were wondering where they'd go next because after that, you're sort of wandering into like World War One territory. Yeah. And you're like, are you going to do like a fantasy version of World War One <laughs> with Albion now? Or like. I wonder what Fable 4 will be, is if, if it will be like um, kind of a more pastoral sort of classic RPG setting, fantasy RPG setting. Or, I hope so. Or have a lot. I mean, I, I can't imagine that there won't be a lot of Game of Thrones influence. Yeah. Because that's sort of the defining fantasy thing right now. I mean, I will be shocked if they don't have a bunch of Game of Thrones actors doing voices in this thing. That would be too smart. I mean, they're all British. Playground Games is British. Yeah. Fable is inherently they're British. They're local. Yeah. So. As long as it comes out, unlike Fable Legends. My guess would be this is a launch title. For Xbox One yeah. X? Well, for, well, for Xbox or, sorry, whatever. Sorry, Xbox Two or whatever, yeah. 
Because, I mean, the t- you show it this year, you kind of show you show it and say it's coming, blow it out next year, launch title. I mean, I don't know how much that's going to help you because I don't know what kind of clout the brand has th- at this point, but couldn't hurt. Yep. They need to diversify beyond two shooters, two shooters in a uh, racing game, which is much worse than two... Uh, Two turntables and a microphone. <laughs> I don't know about that, but <laughs> everything's worse than two turntables and a microphone. Yeah, well, unless you're playing DJ Hero, in which case you've just made a poor purchase choice. <laughs> I still have like an unopened DJ Hero underneath my bed. I should probably just throw it in the trash. I don't think they're worth anything. Uh, and then the final story uh, for our kind of E3 hype roundup is Ubisoft has its own service coming. Well, they didn't want to feel left out. Yeah, so EA has Origin. It seems like everyone at this point is launching their own service. Mm-hmm. I've talked about it endlessly on the show that everything is going to services. All the smart companies are moving to service-based companies, and Ubisoft is a smart company, and it is also moving to a service-based app or a website. And it's or... big enough to... Ubisoft, I mean, that's the thing. Ubisoft is big enough where it can provide enough content for a service all on its own. Like, you would think EA could with its back catalog, but EA's basically ignored its back catalog. Yeah, EA's back catalog is sealed up tighter than the Disney vault. It's also really old. I mean, Ubisoft has legacy stuff, um, like Rayman and stuff like that, but not like EA. EA's legacy stuff is way better than Ubisoft's. And it goes way back further, and it's just also completely unleveraged. Like, it's But the flip side is Ubisoft has enough current... Mm-hmm. generation stuff to bolster yeah well Ubi puts out a bunch of stuff every year and EA puts out like a bunch of their sports like games, games and like and, one yeah. other thing and, it's and like, the problem for EA is like nobody wants to go and play Madden 2006 on yeah. its service all Ubi's old games are stuff people still are interested in playing with EA not so much although that would be an interesting tournament idea Madden Roulette yeah well <laughs> like, like where you just spin like all the different versions of Madden. You spin, or spin like some kind of wheel, and like in you know maybe you're gonna play Madden, maybe you're gonna play Madden '93. Like who yeah. knows? Well, the funny thing is, is whoops, if... it's Tech Mobile. <laughs> Everyone get to Bo Jackson. The funny thing is though, with most of EA sports franchises, is that it has tried everything multiple times. Mm-hmm. So if you look at Madden, like the passing cone first appeared, and people right. like hated it. Some people liked it. Most people hated it. And then it went away, and then like four years later, it came back. Hmm. So there's all these, and there's like like trucking and all this other stuff that would like uh, appear. The truck stick. Right, yes. that would appear in Madden, disappear, and then come back. So by now, every player has experienced all of it. So I would say that if you spun a wheel of Madden, I could probably play any of those games now at this point. Hmm. Even Madden 96. <laughs> Does that make sense? Even Madden 96 on the N64? That was one of the worst Maddens ever. Yep, I know. I worked in a store that had 14 of them. So And I went back. That store's still there. And I went back a couple years ago, almost 20 years later, and they still had... Madden 64? Those, stack of Madden 64 <laughs> just sitting there. Probably sitting in the same spot on the counter, too. They hadn't moved in 20 years. To the years. bottom of the same glass cabinet, yeah. <laughs> That's great. Right next to three copies of Glover. Yeah. So even though Ubisoft has a great catalog, do you still think they have enough to make a service like this viable? I mean, I get, I don't know. If EA can pull it off, sure. Like, How many depends more what you're these? offering as an incentive. Yeah. I do mean, they I start feel like, doing the free game thing or whatever? Yeah, I mean, I'd certainly be more inter- more inclined. I mean, I don't 
pay, pay for EA Origin, but I certainly would think about paying for a UB, UB Origin if, like, it meant I got a, you know, included, I got, you know, Assassin's Creed, whatever, on the day it comes out digitally. Like, yeah. that's cool. I can't think of too many other publishers that could pull it off. I play enough Ubisoft games Not in a year. Not counting the platform holders. I play enough Ubisoft games in a year that something like that could actually save some substantial amount of money. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, we, we all do. I mean, Ubisoft, everyone plays Ubi's games. Mm-hmm. That's why, why it's successful. So, Even if it's just to complain about them. Yep. <laughs> As we just did about his roller derby game. <laughs> well, to be fair, we haven't played that. Yeah, that's true. But I have a feeling after we play it, we'll probably like it even less. Yeah, well... <laughs> All right, so that's it. That's our roundup of all the smaller hype stories around E3 for the week. And it is time for our trailer of the week. Uh, we'd have to scrounge to uh, pull this one up for the show. Um, this is a game that I'm kind of surprised that they showed this now because I really thought that it was going to be a big E3 game, but maybe not. Uh, it's Koei Tecmo's Neo 2. So we got the first trailer for Neo 2 at E3 last year. Nothing. For 360 days, we got nothing. And then, not only does Koei Tecmo release a trailer with the first gameplay from the game, it also announces that it's in beta, or in closed beta, hmm. right then. Um, we have not got to play it. There is gameplay floating out there. In fact, there's some on Sifted right now. People have been leaking it out, even though they're not supposed to. But there's a little taste of it in this trailer as well. Let's roll it. Um, before we get to our key, actually, how do you feel about that? The fact that Neo 2 is kind of shown off before E3. That's fine. Yeah. I mean. Do you think it would have got lost in the shuffle at the show? Um, like my instinct is to say yes, but maybe not at this E3. It kind of did last year, honestly. Yeah, it did. I've actually forgot they already showed that yeah. uh, last year. Because every once in a while I'm like, well, where's Neo 2? And like, then I forgot that they actually showed it last yeah. year. Yeah, they did. Um yeah, I'm a little surprised because I can't imagine Koei Tecmo having too much stuff bigger than that for E3. No, they do not have one million troops this yeah, year. Yeah, <laughs> so it's a little surprising to me that they would show it that early, but I do understand that sometimes it's smart to get 
get your stuff out there before mm-hmm. the avalanche hits. Yeah, it's nice. That it's like it's for, way further along than maybe we thought. Closed beta already. It sounds like it's probably a, this year. Yeah, it sounds like Q4 of this year, which is cool. Uh, before we get to our Q&A and get those questions in the chat right now, it's time for another word from our sponsor. DeShazer Ryan Realty has been leading Northwest Montana real estate sales for over 30 years. It's family owned and operated with the knowledge to help you find your own unique piece of Montana. Visit DeShazerRyanRealty.com and there you'll find every property currently listed for sale in Montana. Or call 406-293-7706 and ask for Doug to get the ball rolling. Enjoy breathtaking mountain views of Montana on three and a half acres and less than 10 minutes from town. The property borders a county-maintained road with access to tons of wildlife. It's priced to sell at $39.9. If you aren't able to relocate to God's country, don't worry, sifters. Doug DeShazer specializes in finding you the perfect real estate agent for the job, no matter where you live. He's facilitated home and land sales in California, Texas, Oregon, Washington, and many other states. Feel free to email Doug with any questions at DeShazerMT at gmail.com. That's DeShazer Ryan Realty at DeShazerRyanRealty.com. Um, Magistercado, thank you for subscribing with Twitch Prime. Some of these are old. Like, the, the app that I have, like, it only has, like, old comments. Yep, I only have, like, the first couple comments. Do you have anything? Um, let me see. Uh, Majora Tom 91 both suck, but which legislation do you think is more likely to get enacted into law? The vague and intrusive loot box legislation or the 25% tariff? Um, the tariff is more likely because it doesn't require legislation. It just requires the administration to say, do it. Yeah. So, it, I mean, it could happen. It could have happened in the last could five minutes. could happen while minutes. we're talking. <laughs> yeah, like, seriously. any moment. Yeah, it doesn't need anyone to say it's okay. Like, they can just do it. Um, it doesn't need to go through Congress or anything like that. So, yeah, the tariffs are much more likely. Uh, Super Cordon Blue. Finally watched the For Honor documentary. Wow, it saddened me to see the creator kicked from his own creation and not be able to work on the sequel. Do you guys think the sequel will be announced at E3? We kind of talked about this last week. A little week. bit last week. I think uh, For Honor would be For Honor Two would be next year. I think For Honor Two will be into the early stages of next gen. If they show anything, it'll be a teaser trailer. That probably just shows like a logo or whatever. Yeah, at best it'd be like it's coming. It's coming. Yeah, I don't don't expect to see like gameplay or anything like that from it. Um, w Matthew, what do you think of Dauntless, the Monster Hunter inspired free to play game, getting over six million players? Also, it launched with true cross-play across Xbox, PC, and PS4. Do you think more games will follow it? Yes. Six million people is a pretty good reason to follow that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's impressive. Dauntless, by the way, when it first launched, was, like, on life support. Mm-hmm. Like, it, I don't think it was free to play at first, I think is what it was. I don't remember. I, I think thought. when they first announced it, it was going to be, like, a game that you paid for, and it just looked like an Overwatch clone in some ways. Uh, and then they kind of pivoted, and it has paid off big time. So, uh, yeah, I, lots of respect for the people behind that game. They stuck it out. They didn't give up, and it's paying off. So, you know, when you talk about free-to-play games, though, and their success, mm-hmm. it's easy to say, well, 6 million people are playing. Well, yes, yeah, free. How many of those people are spending money is the X factor. Right. Um... The Legacy, first he has a question, what is a game you're glad exists but are not into? Um, the Souls franchise for me. I'd say for me it's kind of Super Mario Maker. Like I'm not into the bulk of what that game's about, which is making the levels, but I do like playing them. Okay, that's a good um, 
Also, he, uh, leg, the legacy also makes a good point, which I didn't think of during the discussion. Uh, in the U.S., unless they update the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorder, also known as the DSM-5, it's not an official disorder. Right now, internet gaming disorder is listed as a condition for further study. In addition, internet-based gambling is not included in the diagnostic criteria for internet gambling disorder in the DSM-5 because it's already under gambling disorders. So that's actually a very good point that I didn't think of, is just because the World Health Organization says something does not mean it's going to actually impact anything in America because it, the, the, DS, the DSM would have to adopt it as official criteria, which is how it would be enacted. But what we really need US. to know is how often the WHO produces a mandate like that, is it then taken up? Um, is that there's not 10%, actually, there's, there's, 90%? No, there's not actually much of a correlation between those things. Okay, um, interesting. Which is one reason why internet gambling as a disorder is already in the DSM, uh, but also is not a video game related thing because they're mostly talking about stuff like poker. Oh, okay. That was, that was in, introduced, that was included during the whole video poker uh, kerfuffle, if you remember that. Where that became a th that became a thing you couldn't do anymore. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, you want like one more? One more. We're already over three hours. Um, Threadzilla says I bought an X a One X and because of how powerful the system is, I don't intend on buying the next Xbox right out of the gate. Do you think having such a powerful uh, console will make upgrading to the new Xbox more difficult for consumers? That's a great question. I think that's a very good point. I mean, you answer uh, it yourself. You're not going to upgrade. <laughs> I mean, and what it's really going to I never come, even thought about it, but yeah. What it's really going to come down to is what does this new system do? What, yeah. do, what does this thing look like? Is it a, is it a power leap? I mean, there's, the rumors are that it's more powerful than what Cerny leaked about the PS5. Yeah. If it's really that powerful, the, the games on this thing are going to look like another dimension so i think you might it what, might convince you to that's what they're going to have to lean on this thing's the generational leap this time is going to have to be noticeable huge and vivid in a way that it was not this previous generation it definitely wasn't so yeah i mean most most people the layman who looked at the generation jump from generation seven to generation eight was like wait a minute mm -hmm. these are new consoles like People like us yeah. could see the differences because we've been gaming and working in, working with PC hardware yeah. for a long time, but the average person had a problem seeing the difference. Uh, the good news was that just the great games just kept coming, and that's what really got those people mm -hmm. on board. And also, that's, that's going to continue. So. Also, Vincent notes that uh, Fable is not confirmed because uh, mix, the Mixer database turns out to be crowdsourced. Oh. So it may or may not be a real thing. Well, that's a new twist to that story then. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And while we were on the air... What happened with the Pokemon stuff? Uh, I didn't see, but he says while we are on the air, uh, the, the name Red Faction Evolution leaked. Mm, THQ. Yeah, another Nordic THQ again. game. <laughs> it's crazy. They got 50. There's probably going to be a lot more to come, is my guess. So, well, listen, I'm, again, my chat was cut off. And if any of you guys subscribe via Twitch Prime during the show and I missed it, I apologize. Thank you very much. Uh, we appreciate it, as always. As I said at the beginning of the show, we had a really bad month on uh, Twitch Prime last month. So if you're folks who are on our Patreon or on Sifted.net. Yeah, we got subscriptions from Majora Tom, J. Reed Vic 7, Don Lionheart. Thank you, guys. A lot of uh, usual suspects yeah. to some degree. So if you're on Sifted or on our Patreon, you haven't subscribed via Twitch Prime in a while, it'd be awesome if you could do that. Uh, folks on YouTube, please also help us with Twitch Prime. That'd be great. But like I said at the beginning, share the show. Share it on Twitter. 
share it on Facebook. And when you share it, don't just share it. Say, I love this show. You know, people have said this is their favorite podcast. Say it. Say, this is my favorite gaming podcast in the world, if you believe it. It helps. It really does help. Um, every single person that gets turned on to Game Face generally helps us in some way. Um, so you guys have a lot of power with social media. It would be great if you guys could help us do that. So we got a Not Cirque subscription from Not, Not Cirque. Cirque. Thank you. And then uh, Herbert BF just gave us 10,000 bits. Herbert, thank you, man. That's freaking awesome, man. Thank you so much. Uh, thanks to our sponsor. Uh, we appreciate that as well. We have one more episode before E3 people coming at you next Tuesday. And then after that show, it is on. We'll have the rest of the week, and then the show kicks off the following weekend. So hopefully you guys are excited for E3. I definitely am. And I hope that you guys will join us, and we'll see you then. Game Face is up and out.